0: I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And we're a gay. And his NB. And it is episode five, back at it with you for a supersized edition of A Gay and His Envy this week.
1: Yeah, we had a lot going on this week. There's, a lot to bring to you guys.
0: There's two new shows that premiered this week. There's, you know, the stuff that we're already reviewing and on top of that. But we wanted to talk about it all because we have all the thoughts about everything. So oh,
1: All the thoughts. So this week we are talking to you about Real Housewives of Potomac. It's the finale this week. Then we're taking a week off and we are back for a three-part finale. We're really excited about that. Then we had the premiere of Real Housewives of New Jersey um for uh, for that's uh season 13 yes. this year, I think. Uh we had the newest episode of uh, Real Housewives of Miami. We also had the debut of Vanderpump Rules, one of our favorites. Um, this is season 10 for them. But first,
0: as always,
1: we have Drag Race. Of
0: course. Uh, so, well, we're also coming into filming this episode with the breaking news from the RuPaul's Drag Race Twitter that we will be going back to 90 minute episodes of Drag Race. starting. Well, they said starting March 10th. So, yes. So. So,
1: um, for those of you who didn't know the show that shall not be named, um, was only slated for six episodes. Um, but that's
0: embarrassing. Like
1: that, I mean, accurate, but then, um, the person on that show that shall not be named, um, and just for your reference, yes. I mean, it's real friends of WeHo. It's Todrick Hall. Those are the things that shall not be named. Um, he had gone on a rant when everybody started protesting the show um, saying, you know, even after the show is over, even after it's six episodes, you're not getting your 90 minutes back. Oh, I didn't even know he said that. Oh, yeah. That was in that handwritten note on Instagram that,
0: what, oh, what a that he did. <laughs> he think like Toddric, think of something else like get like stay out of the spotlight for like th- five seconds so we can forget about you. Like... But but that's besides the point. We don't need to get on a rant about that. But no, they're bringing back the ninety-minute episodes in about a month or so. So, but
1: what I am going to go on a rant about is I know this is later in the episode, but the entirety of the runway yes was a minute and fifty seconds. It's
0: I think when you break it down, it's like eight seconds per girl.
1: And it, that's on average. Some of the girls barely had more than five seconds.
0: Yeah, it's it's really sad. And but <laughs> it's. This is the world we're living in where monetization and these big networks and, and all the these factors coming into play instead of us just giving us what we want. But let's uh, start with this week's episode of Drag Race. Uh, Amethyst had been eliminated from the previous episode. We come into the work, back into the workroom. Um, I did note that Lux kind of was speaking, at least for us. I won't say for the whole audience, but for us who were kind of like... She I think she said the Malaysia. I I didn't know if you were going to be in the top or the bottom when they called you uh for the
1: I'm glad somebody said it.
0: I, I, it's just good to know that we're not crazy. Um but then we come back the next day um and they have a where we are doing a girl group challenge again. Mm-hmm. Uh yearly tradition of obviously with drag race. Uh with the added twist that they are not just doing girl groups but that they are doing Golden Gal girl group yes like which so uh, they did this sort of i guess in a cross-promotion sort of aspect where they had um come into the workroom the old gays dressed as the pit crew which uh, was for, so
1: great it's great to see them on a national stage like it was that. great
0: i wish you know we'll get into a little bit of untucked but like i wish the stuff that they put in untucked about the conversation they had with the the girls like was in the actual episode honestly
1: yeah, but everybody's tuning back in after the show that shall not be named. That's
0: so yeah, fine, <laughs> of course. Um, but no, I guess that was sort of the crossover of the added sort of element of them having to be be old women. We'll get into it of whether I think that was a successful thing to put into the into the mix of that uh, in terms of the challenge. Um, but then, uh, basically, they're forming three girl groups. Uh, One of them with different genres, there's heavy metal, there's hip hop and there's country. And then RuPaul decides to do the one plot device that drag race loves to do for every season of drag race till for the last, like, I want to say like eight or nine years of like, you guys figure it out. (laughs) Which you,
1: always leads to peaceful discussions and, and equitable division.
0: I thought, so we get sort of our biggest, like like the first major fight of the season, I would say. At least that we see on camera. Yeah, There's been reports of others. But oh, like,
1: has there? I haven't even seen well, that.
0: I was going to bring up the fact that, like, well, let me just say, I didn't like this. Like, I thought this argument was so stupid about, like, the two groups that wanted to do heavy metal and no one wanted to do country. As if country was, like... They were like, well, it's, it's funny to see old people in heavy metal and old people in hip-hop. It, to me, country's the same way. I don't, I didn't see a big difference, but it felt like this sort of... I'd never liked this element in Drag Race to create drama. I would much rather see stuff like... Um, I think Sugar at one of the Roscoe's viewing parties was talking about how they cut a part where... Um, in a couple episodes ago where they, uh, talked about Marsha's makeup in the judging and Marsha said that Lux helped her with her makeup when it was actually sugar and spice that did, and that there was drama there. To right. me, that's more, I would have rather saw that than these two, like sort of like stalemating each other. Like,
1: yeah, well, I mean, and I know we discussed it when we were watching the episode, um, but our listeners weren't there. So um, I, I really kind of, while I thought it was overreacting on Malaysia's part, I understood where she was coming from. Sure. And reacting that way to um, Mistress and...
0: Mainly Mistress and Lux, I would main, say.
1: Yeah, mainly Mistress and Lux that were kind of doing the... Laugh in your face, you're not getting what you want kind of thing, which does have mean girl vibes. Sure. So I I get how you could have that reaction from the outside looking in. It is very easy to go, oh, well, like obviously they were just joking and having fun, but I've honestly felt like. Mistress has pushed the envelope specifically with Malaysia already this whole season. sure. And Malaysia's not getting that she's joking. So after, you know, six previous episodes or five previous episodes of her, you know, pushing at her like that, I can understand why she feels like Mistress is a bully.
0: Well, and also, like, not just that Mistress doesn't understand the, that it's not being received that way, but it seems like everyone else also thinks that it also is a playful th- they don't know whether it's a playful thing or whatever and i think that's the thing where it's like i also think it wouldn't would have been a better thing if like this wasn't the structure that they put him in because you can have the funny bits you like ooh no we we're going to do this no we're going to do this the problem is when you don't give them a mechanism to to create an actual resolution to the problem right like it goes on for too long and then that's why that's where the tension built yeah and
1: i mean they eventually got there they eventually decided to draw genres out of a hat so i
0: did love that sasha colby at one point was willing to give it up and malaysia's like no do not (laughs) we're fighting but i get it
1: you know if you're being put back on your on your heels at every turn then at some point going to take off them stilettos and start stabbing people with them. I get it.
0: Yeah. I think, because we saw this last season too with Bosco and Mm -hmm. Lady Camden with the musical. And it's just like, I also, I don't like in the edit, Yeah, the sort of like, like obviously Malaysia was truly in her, had feelings about it and that's fair. But like, there's an edit to perceive it as though, as though Bosco was a villain for doing what, and it was like. Well, but Camden thought in that moment
1: that she was being, um, and And I think it was easier to tell from the outside because, but bo- there hadn't been a history of that between Bosco sure. and Camden. You could tell from the outside that Bosco was just standing up for herself, right? And was like, "No, I'm gonna, I need to do this for myself." And I, obviously, it didn't turn out well for Bosco, like we know that. But, um, but it was, it's a different story overall when. Mistress came in at the beginning of the season, doing this sort of mean-biting humor, which I don't think is her being mean. I think she's just being a bitchy, cunty queen, and that's fine. Yeah, but people need to know that that's what you're doing, and they don't have that context when they don't know you outside of this competition.
0: Yeah, I get it. Um, like, so they go into the rehearsals. they, They obviously they record their song, and then they have to do their own. Choreography. It seems like Iffy also for the heavy metal group, the one that fought so hard and eventually got it. Especially in the choreo where it's like I forgot who it was. I think it might have been Marcia that pointed out of just like it seems like their only choreography was doing the shocker. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I mean I think it was um
1: who who was it at one point? Oh, I think it was Spice at one point, just said, Oh, well, all we have to do there is stand there and play air guitar. And then yeah. cut to the actual performance and she's the only one doing air guitar there's other people with actual instruments on the stage
0: yeah we'll get to also why i think spice was sort of out of her element in this episode
1: well if in, she was also doing
0: bubblegum that's my bubble gum let, metal yeah as let's opposed get, to everyone else who wasn't that's what i was gonna say it's just like she was just the spice character but doing but she wasn't even doing spice. She was doing sugar. Yeah, well, sure. There we go. <laughs> Everyone else was doing spice. There you. That's a good way to put it. Um,
1: Maybe so- they did swap out.
0: <laughs> oh, I heard – I really think – that's one thing I really would love to be a twist is that they're switching in and out. And, oh, um,
1: yeah. Then they find out halfway through the season that, you know, they've been swapping out every other episode. Yeah. That'd be great. Um, so – Give we, me some big brother twists.
0: <laughs> we go to the workroom uh, the next day and we get our sort of like – I I mean, I, I – feel like i'm being glib about it by saying it's the trauma moment of the episode this one actually i thought was really good and i was really happy to see was mm-hmm. that uh, sort of getting to more sasha colby's backstory um and sort of her profiling like everything that she went through in hawaii and sort of how they were treating trans people in hawaii at the time and like mm-hmm. the way she was talking about like we would just be arrested when we were going out and performing and then like literally release the next day and then just perform again it's like yeah. i i think in this climate that we're in right now, seeing her be positive and her true self and everything, like the perfect, uh, the epitome of how to embrace trans identity. I think is just really needed right now in in society.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. She's a, an image. And I think you see, I know this is getting a smidge away from drag race, but we see that I think across the trans community for the most part, Right now, we have you know super positive images of what it is to be a trans woman. Um, we have Sasha Colby, we have uh, Laverne Cox out there doing even like uh, Dylan Mulaney from TikTok, yeah. who is um, her transition has just been beautiful to watch, um, and she's been like out like she was at uh, the White House for Trans Day of Remembrance, I mm-hmm. think, and did an interview with Biden, and it was it was absolutely amazing to see her out there and just and if representing I, our community. And if
0: I remember, I think Sasha makes the point in the segment of like, obviously, th- obviously things are always going to be dangerous, but like she made the point of being like, look at the strides that we've made to that point of like being able to, the, the, we don't, that trans people don't have to be voiceless anymore right? And and they have a platform and an ability to sort of, be open with themselves. And and, I... the, and that's not to discount
1: the danger, right? No, of the inherent not. danger that our community is in, but, um, but it has gotten better. And, and I think that it is important to keep both of those thoughts in mind.
0: Yeah. So we get to the, uh, the main stage and for the challenge, uh, we see the girl groups performing. What were your thoughts? I had, No, uh, much like last week, no one did poorly in my view. Yeah. And
1: I think these girls are getting on drag race these days and are ready to play, are ready to be here and, and do the damn thing.
0: I think to the point I was going to make earlier about like the, the things of the added element of the gram, the grandmother part of this challenge. I actually think it ended up being a little limiting in my, my view in terms of both the material like the there's only so many jokes you can make in your lyrics about being old, like I think I at one point, I think it was a heavy metal group they did like one after the other, three of them all made jokes about accidentally peeing yourself, like, oh yeah, that happened multiple times in multiple groups, yeah, and and I was just like this like you didn't go over as a group and be like, "Hey, I have this joke in here, can we like?" Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, also
1: you all sat there and listened to each other. Record your, like you could have said, okay, time to scratch that yeah. out, rework this.
0: We we talked before about how we're uh, big pro wrestling fans, and I've and we both done work in, in pro wrestling. Like it's very much the watch the match before and after you, and if they do anything that you're planning on doing in your match, scrap it. <laughs> like yeah, we the worst thing to see is something repeat like
1: that. Yeah, we we don't need like. Herc Rana's in every match, guys. Like, yeah. Change it up.
0: Um, but, and then I also thought it, to the limiting aspect, I also think the choreo too, because you kind of had to play, because you had to play old, it sort of limited some of the things that the, each people, each of them could kind of do in terms of their performances. People found ways, like I thought Mistress found ways, Sasha found ways. I think the hip hop group, as much as they didn't get praise for it, in fact, they got the opposite sort of um i thought they were smart to be like let's do an actual like hip-hop performance with athletics and with splits and all that Mm -hmm. stuff and have the joke be isn't it funny that these old people are doing all this like right it it's the there was a
1: um a moment i mean this is referencing golden girls anyway so might as well there's a moment in Golden Girls where there's like a dance competition yes, and yes, Rose Nyland yes, yes. uh, played by the late, great Betty White um, is like doing all these oh, those front, flips walkovers. And wa- front walkovers and all this stuff. And it's hilarious because you can tell it's clearly a, a body double, yeah. right? And it's, it's so funny because it's the, Ru- the it's also
0: the RuPaul Christmas special gag. Oh Remember yeah. when she lip synced? Yeah, it's, like, though, th- I wish they maybe even emphasized that a little bit more in their group, like, th- yeah. the absurdity of it. Well, but, it's a
1: little bit harder to do with a live performance. Yeah. Because the the, um, the way you play that joke is the hard camera cuts to the close-up.
0: Yeah. It, it, it's a good idea. I just, I, I think for the most part, I think the sort of, it kind of limited other people's sort of, you had to be more comedic in your performance, which is kind of counter to what we've seen of girl group challenges on drag race in the past. Right. Um, but I maybe, you know, it could have just been a new challenge, I guess in that regard.
1: But I mean, at the same time, the golden rule of drag race is make Rue
0: laugh. Yeah. If you can get her to laugh. The worst thing to get like the, and the worst thing to get is to get stone face. But honestly, at this, like, that was the, everyone did so solid and sort of even across yeah. the board. To me, no one even particularly stood out, and like the only way I could get any sense of who was going to be in the top and who was going to be in the bottom was when they would cut to RuPaul. And oh, yeah. literally, just a, a normal performance would be happening, and if RuPaul was just like stone fit. Part of me thinks, like, did they film all those, like, ahead of time? Like, like just like, okay, Rue, smile. Okay, Rue. <laughs> I feel like they, they do.
1: I feel like they just cut in her with stone face so that the, they can...
0: They honestly could at this point. Yeah. It, yeah. But then we get to the runway, and the theme is tie-dye. Tie-dye to die for. There it is. There it is. We love a good pun. I thought this runway was interesting. I... <laughs> Some people went super literal with it. Some people
1: tried um, and failed. I just um, thought it
0: was odd that two things. One, for the most part, a lot of people went very muted tie-dye. Like, right. Like very like washed out sort of like. As a, I think the only one was like Sasha Colby who went like full bright mm-hmm. vinyl like, you know, pop of color. And everyone went very muted, which I thought was odd. And then they also went very like flowy and like fabric just like placed places well
1: i can understand that because tie-dye um typically has like this echo of the late 60s and the 70s which is all going to be like your peasant skirts and your tops that are like flowy and um super like hippie chic type of thing yeah. so i understand pairing those two together and having more of a modern take on tie-dye where it's all, like, the monochromatic. Um, And I really loved – I mean, go check out our social media for our toot and boot on it. Um, But I really loved how um, Robin Fierce did hers. I mean, um, not to uh, directly quote what – I think it was uh, Raven on – um, fashion the photo the fashion photo review um, said that it almost looked like a floral print.
0: Yeah, that's my, it, a lot of people's read more floral than. Which is tie-dyed. fine
1: because if you're using tie dye to become something else, that's what the elevation and the transformation of the. Um, of the category is all about, that's, that's what makes me happy and makes me excited to see what people are going to do is when they can take it and go left. Sure. Like when you present exactly what people are expecting, it's fine, but it's boring. Yeah. Um, which is why, even though I didn't think that, um, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha necessarily ticked the box of tie dye. Yeah. Yeah with her and we I think the looks would have been more successful if we got the voiceover. But That's again what, it's a minutes. I was about minutes. to say that.
0: I was about to say that the fact that we only had... How, like less the, than, two minutes, less of than two minutes of runway. I needed. I desperately needed these girls to describe what their thought process was. With the, I mean, with Marsha's, it was obvious.
1: M- well, but- and Marsha also tweeted out about it and was like, you know, I my thought was the the blood from the broken nose. You know, the iconic Marsha Brady broken nose by football. Um, you know, the blood dyed her her dress, and that's what. I was going for, and with that explanation, and it, you know, she tried something different and was it successful in terms of tie dye. No, but it still looked good, and it still was a completed together piece that was in her brand, and I can't fault
0: that. Yeah, like to, to the point of like the they needed description. Like the biggest case of that for me was Jax. I didn't know what the fuck Jax was looked wearing. looked like an oompa loompa with like. It was like but with green but Army. tie-dye that looked like snot, <laughs> but also gross. looked like she had like saggy titties. Like and it was and that's no knock on Jax. We love Jax. I would Jeez. have really loved to know her explanation. Genuinely. I yeah. wanted to know what the thought process because was. Because I the think luck.
1: with the framing that could have been a better, a more successful look in our minds, but the we only got what we saw, and I wasn't able to get on her side with that.
0: Yeah. So in the top for this week, we had Mistress Isabel Brooks, we had Sasha Colby, and we had Aura Mayari, and in the bottom, we had three of the, three of the four people from the hip-hop channel. Basically, Lucy was the only one that Rue laughed at at all. Like, Lucy said three words, and Rue started laughing. Which I don't think was um, a correct judging. No.
1: Um, I thought that there were other weaker performers... Um, But, again, we're splitting hairs, and this early in the competition to be in that place where we're splitting hairs is unique. We've not had that before on Drag Race, and I'm really excited for the level of performance that these queens are bringing.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it – my problem, again, the judging sucked this week. I was so mad at some of the comments. It
1: sucked all freaking season. Yeah.
0: It's like – so – Apparently, Anitra didn't like, was missing up, messing up her lip sync. I didn't get that it Wasn't whatsoever. on camera. Didn't read to me whatsoever. Um, first off. And then this, the more frustrating, so it's Anitra, Jackson, Robin in the bottom. They go to Jax and they say, Well, you obviously, we've seen you have great dance ability. You're, you know, such a performer you know that's sort of your high quality and because of that you stood out too much and you didn't blend in with the group and that's what the challenge is about excuse me but then they turned around that... and critiqued
1: robin for the for exact blending opposite in too much. like what do you people want it's in the same challenge on the same judging panel Like, what are you what are you
0: talking it about it was literally one after the other it's like you literally just said the opposite thing Ten seconds ago. And also also I don't know how Robin could have really blended in. She was literally doing splits and like like she was doing death drops and like like how did she wasn't blend she in? she also
1: the one that like did the splits and then had her like yeah, she was, was like of a little Yeah, of yes.
0: It was like how did she blend in? But then like I just don't, uh, in a don't whenever a a on drag race in the history in the 15 freaking seasons of this show have they ever told anyone that the point of the challenge is to blend in the
1: point of the challenge should be to blend in when you're doing things together and stand out when you're in the uh, the solo sections but they did not make that distinction they didn't even try to make that distinction they just gave complimenting or um Contradicting criticism, but the
0: thing is, if this was anyone other than Jax who was doing, because I feel like they ha- they know who they want in the bottom. You know, yeah, they have their their. Idea planned out. If this was anyone that they actually favored on the show, they were just they would be telling them, "I just couldn't take my eyes off you. Like you were just so ca- I could only oh, focus yeah. on like that." They would never be penalized for that. It's yeah. just crazy. They
1: have me. been overly critical of Jax this entire season, and it's just really, really frustrating.
0: Yeah, and also we all- Jax is also I feel like getting the sugar cane edit where it's like how how many has she had like two confessionals the whole season? It feels like. Yeah, I
1: mean, Robin really hasn't had much either, Yeah, and, like, it's all in the edit. Like, they use the edit to justify their elimination. Yeah,
0: it's so frustrating. Um, but we do uh, – so, um, Ora Mayari wins the challenge. I thought that was – oh, oh, actually, no, 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 sorry. No, 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 before we get to that, I, we're not done with the judging. We still have to critique – the biggest thing they could—they were are positively crit- uh, critiquing Mistress Isabel Brooks for the performance, and then out of nowhere, Marcia isn't even on the stage. She's oh. in the back safe, and RuPaul just goes. By the way, when you see Marsha backstage, tell her that's how much makeup she needs to put I on. I was
1: fuming.
0: What I did w- this girl have to do? What did Marsha do
1: to RuPaul? Like- they should have just brought her ass out there and beat her with a cane. Like They just hate her so much. And what I don't understand is look at that girl's makeup and tell me she's not make- wearing makeup. You like They had a close-up picture that somebody posted on Twitter of her face from this uh, episode. She has a full-cut um crease. contour with the cut crease and the big eyebrow, redrawn eyebrows. Like, the girl's face is beat. You're just mad because she blends better than you.
0: Well, the, also the idea that the idea that she should have Mistress Isabel Brooks makeup is insane. It would look ridiculous on Marsha. That's not a knock on Mistress. Mistress looks great, but it's her face.
1: It's her topography. It's her style it's, of drag. It's, <laughs> it's going to look very different on Marsha. Yeah. Marsha is more of a um, realness queen, whereas uh, Mistress is more of the classic drag, but she's definitely modernized her look and made it very, very uh, blended and very beautifully done. But it's a very different style. It would look like a caricature on yeah. On Mistress. They want they or literally, no, on Marsha. They on
0: they they want Marsha to be Trixie Mattel, it seems. Like yeah. it's just No, she would walk out
1: there. I guarantee you that if they didn't know that Trixie came in and did her makeup in an exact replica of Trixie's makeup, she would walk out there and still get critiqued for having too small of an eye. It's crazy. But I would bet money on that.
0: Yeah, that it was insane. So uh Oromeari wins the challenge. I thought this was a little surprising. I thought it would have gone to Sasha Colby. She, Sasha was the only one I really distinctly remember in the challenge. Um, and Aura's kind of been in the middle of the pack and also not getting that much of an edit, so it felt odd to give her the win.
1: Yeah, but I really liked the the different direction that she went. Like, she did the a androgynous sort of suit yeah. thing with, like, the the um, chest cage that's been really popular these days.
0: Everyone loves that chest but cage. It's,
1: but it also has, like, the... Um, like the 90s power suit kind of vibe to it, but a modern take on... Um The uh, tie-dye element, but with a very draggy makeup look. and It was just beautifully blended different styles together. I thought it was very successful.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, And then Jax and Robin are the bottom two. They lip sync to In Your Room by The Bengals.
1: Which I thought was really good. Yeah. I, I really thought the lip sync was good.
0: I was glad that Jax particularly balanced The Acrobats with Still selling emotion in the song and getting the vibe of the song in. Because there's so, like, so often you would see a queen just do lip syncs and splits and pussy pops and all yeah. this stuff to something that didn't fit the song. She balanced it in a, in a way that where it made sense. Um, but sadly, Robin Fierce goes home. Um, r- sad to see her go. As frustrating
1: as the judging was, I probably think that is correct.
0: Sure. I think s- I would, I, think spice should have been towards the bottom. I feel really terrible cuz I feel like this is the we hate sugar and spice podcast at this point. But Spice has
1: done fucked up drag. No. Um look, like I think that her looks are successful and I think that what she's doing is good on its own. But when you take it on the scope of the whole season and put her look side by side, tell me she is not wearing a bandeau top and a mini skirt every week.
0: It's every week. And and that's fine. That's your thing outside of the show. But it's just crazy to me that we're in episode five and the judges haven't critiqued that. Yeah. It just is weird to me. Um, but that was Drag Race for this week. Uh, we're going to get the Daytona wins next week. The acting challenge. That should be interesting. Interesting. Um, But yeah, really, I would say a solid episode of Drag Race this week.
1: Oh, absolutely. Other Uh, than it's, you know, felt like the wind was blowing through my hair as it went by so fast. Yes,
0: absolutely. Uh, We're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we are going to get into everything Real Housewives. You're not going to want to miss it. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at sidekickmediaservices.com.
1: Welcome back to a gay in his NB. We are starting off our Real Housewives section with the finale of season seven of Real Housewives of Potomac. Oh, babe,
0: things are going, things are going down in the DMV this week, Jeez. both at the time of filming that episode and also in real time. We'll oh get- my gosh. We'll get to that later. Um, yes, this, this is the finale episode. Uh, the big conclusion to Potomac. I think I've seen people's critiques of this season and we'll probably get into it when we get to the sort of everything that's happening outside of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- I still think this has been a really good season. I always enjoy these these ladies. They're good personalities. They're good, you know, they 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 always are keeping me entertained and invested. At the I, the-
1: I agree. Um at the end of the day, I am still um excited to see every episode. And honestly, that's what TV is there to do. That's it's there really to pull that- you in. And it it achieves that and it keeps me interested every week. Um I will say that I am extremely frustrated. With some of the cast members. Um, it's just, and we'll again, we'll get to it when we talk about uh, the BS happening outside of the show. Um, but who boy, um, let's just say the Green Eyed Bandits have been um, stealing from Bravo directly at this point.
0: <laughs> just str- straight up taking uh, from uh, the top dog here on, you know, their. Yes, we'll get into it. Um, So we start off the episode uh, with Ashley and sort of the kind of conclusion to her story this season with her divorce Mm -hmm. from Michael. Uh, She's out to dinner with uh, (laughs) Dean this is one of those moments where it's just like, I do not want to have kids. I flu me and Merlin have these conversations where we fluctuate time and time again. We
1: go back and forth and back and forth.
0: And I feel so bad for Ashley having it. A- I mean, and also this is Michael Darby's child we're talking about here. So it's only going to get worse <laughs> the older he gets.
1: Well, and it's not like, it's not like he has like f- good figures to look up to. I'm sure that Ashley is a great mom, but like when he grows up and sees the bullshit that she's been doing on this show, um, well, I
0: thought it was interesting. She said at one point that she worries about how her two kids are going to like when they grow up, um, if they're going to blame her for the divorce, essentially. And I'm like, I don't think so. You show know, him, show them all the stuff that happened on the show. Literally, it's all on tape. Luckily, like it's you all ha- on tape and on
1: Twitter, like we all know what happened.
0: Yeah. Uh, honestly, if your kids aren't critiquing you for how badly you handled the prenup element of this and like not getting the money that you needed to get from him,
1: if, that's a different story. Or or if they want to critique you for sticking with him as long as you did.
0: That's, yeah. Mm. Because, and to, because
1: for her to stick with it as long as she did and she's still not getting any money out of this because we all thought she was sticking with him to make the prenup clause.
0: I was uh, so hopeful. I um, was
1: Uh, run out so that she could get her money and
0: lock him down with two kids like that's it's that it's that I love that Wendy Williams segment of just like do I want one lump sum or 18 years of payments? like (laughs) that's it seemed like that was the strategy but apparently not apparently Ashley doesn't know what she's doing in this regard both from the fact that she also has bought a house with Michael and under an LLC doesn't make it better Ashley it's just like Ashley get it together girl
1: she's yeah it's 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 not great
0: yeah but whatever's gonna happen with ashley hopefully she can figure something out uh going forward and then we get uh to karen's house she's facetiming mia and they talk about what happened at robin's um bachelorette party karen i i love karen also like Anytime she FaceTimes with anybody, she has her iPhone on this little, like, stand thing. Like, she doesn't ever hold her iPhone to, like, FaceTime with someone. Oh, I
1: get it. If I don't have to hold something up, I'm not going to. I'm going to put it on a stand. I'm not holding my mic right now. It is on a stand.
0: Yeah. But uh, Mia basically tells her of the stuff Sharice was saying at the party about how Karen had sex with somebody in a bathroom all that stuff. And Karen always staying on top of things and, and turning it around on the girls asked me, like, did you defend me? And Mia's like, no, not really. When Mia in Miami was so hard on Karen for not defending her in the Wendy fight. Mm-hmm. It's not surprising
1: that Mia is being uh, hypocritical on, on Mia? this point.
0: Hypocritical. <laughs> what? No. Um, uh- <laughs> And we'll get to that later also in the episode. Uh, And then we have a scene with Robin who's meeting with her uh, mom and dad. And she finally breaks the news to them about the wedding. Jeez. And how they're not invited. (sighs) What was, like, her excuse of, like, well, I didn't want to invite you because... Then I would have to invite aunts and uncles. And where does it end? Somewhere. (laughs) But also,
1: like, inviting your parents does not automatically say then your extended family. is That's still immediate family. By that
0: logic, why are you bringing the kids if they can't bring, like, I mean, why is Juan even
1: there? Just have him sign the thing. And then you
0: talk to a... Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, I am not shocked at this point why Karen and others would have, like questions to questions to the about the, like none of this makes sense in terms of the wedding and we'll get to the actual wedding footage at the end of the episode but it's just like oh jeez, what did robin's mother do to her at this point like even robin's mom is confused like as she's saying this to her but she's just like okay
1: like, you brought me on this show made me do hair and makeup made me sit on this couch and look all cute just to tell me that I'm not invited to your wedding, that we have been waiting three years at this point to happen. Yeah. Absolutely not. It's insane. You're out of the will.
0: But <laughs> well, Robin might need some money. Or at least, <laughs> at least at least Juan will with some of these lawsuits coming up. Oh hey. geez. Um, but then we go to Robin's friend Giselle. Um, this actually was a nice scene. <laughs> Robin's friend just. Robin's friend. Um, no, this was a nice scene with Giselle and her daughters. I like any scene with Giselle and her daughters. Like, yeah, it really reminds
1: me that she's a human and not just a backstabbing bitch. Honestly.
0: At this point. And well, also her daughter, it's mainly from the fact that her daughters can just read her to filth under the ground. It's really good. Like she's talking to them. They're at an ice cream shop and she's talking to them about how she's going on dates with this guy that we saw like I think a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of like, ah, okay, cool, whatever. <laughs> they're very like teenage daughters like... Uh, you know, not the coolest about it, but then Giselle talks to her and Giselle brought this up a couple episodes ago in the season that she has to get a hysterectomy, um, because she has fibroids and they basically have to take her uterus out, which is really sad. And obviously a terrible thing that any woman has to go through. Um, (laughs) I, the only reason I'm laughing is the, the way that her daughters were reacting to the news. I love the one who... I can't remember their names, but the one was just like, but how do you pee, though, with that giant fiber?" She, she said uterus, not urethra. Girl. Like, what? And then, like, they're like, oh, so are you going to have... Can- like, is it because you have cancer? And it's like... They were like, oh, but you'll start menopause early or or you won't have menopause. They were like debating what it means. And the whole time Giselle's head, head is her hand like Jesus Christ. No, but
1: it actually will trigger menopause. Like that's like
0: what? How do you – like you were bringing that up and you were like, how do I know this as a gay man more than these – Well, I mean, it's because I actually have
1: women in my life and other people with uh, uteruses and um, they actually, you know, talk to me about these things because I care and I listen and I actually retain the information.
0: Yeah, girls. (laughs) Get it together. (laughs) But no, it ended up being a really sweet scene. It is
1: really nice that her daughters have uh, inherited all of her sass and not a bit of her fashion sense. No. I'm so glad that they dress better than her. Thank you, Lord.
0: Um, they be- got it
1: from their dad cause their dad actually dresses pretty nice.
0: Yeah. Um, but we move on to, uh, the big sort of final scene of the, uh, the, um, episode, which is Candace's release party for her track insecure with Trina. Mm-hmm. Um, and the uh, sort of album party that she has, because I think she's re-releasing Deep Space as like a deluxe mm-hmm. uh, album. Um, this was—I I mean, this is obviously the first time Giselle and Chris got to see each other since the whole Giselle basically trying to claim that he was trying to hit on her in the hotel room thing. I think I think Chris has handled this whole season and this whole last episode perfectly.
1: One hundred percent. He was
0: very like hi, Giselle, and that was it. Like very like you know, one he's nothing cordial, to do with but it. It.
1: it's like I'm I'm not. You're not my friend. Like clearly, you have no interest in my well being. Yeah. So you stay over there. I'll tell you hi. I will be polite and I will be cordial. But don't come at me with your bullshit.
0: Yeah. I actually, and I also thought that, um, so like Candace introduces her music video. I thought Candace and Chris had like a really cute moment at, at like, where she like recognizes Chris and like starts crying. And, and get, he's crying. And, and gets the it's cry angle crying. out. We love it. I mean, the crying goal is funny in and of itself, but it actually did feel like a genuine moment. The the crying goal is its own own,
1: uh, housewife. It needs to be pulling a paycheck. Like, get that thing a contract.
0: Yeah. Um, But their relationship has has had a lot of downs at times in terms of fighting, in terms of like, you know you know, you know really intense fighting, too. i they've
1: really been through a lot, like with Candace's tumultuous relationship with her mom. Yeah. Um, and they're now dealing with um, the hormone shots, trying to get, um, harvest her eggs. Right. um Like with the fertility issues and all of that, like, it's just, um, it's really nice to see that they fight and then they come back together and they are solid. Yeah. And um, I, I just think across Housewives, it's one of the better examples of a healthy, loving relationship.
0: And there was a moment also later that we'll get to once we get to that, the sort of big fight from it that I think also was kind of a... Fun, full circle moment for them, um, and then so we also uh, Ashley tells Wendy that Mia had been saying about in the during the bachelorette party about what really happened at the end of the trip in Mexico and whether Wendy you know initiated the whole eating the cookie mm-hmm. thing and Wendy being like, "Girl, you're the one who whispered in my ear. I want to eat your box." <laughs> like just laid it out there for Mia, Um, and <laughs> I I think Wendy's definitely had a good redemption season this yeah. year in well, terms of you know and
1: i like how light it was like there was i just i'm really happy for her this season because last season she did go through so much yeah and um and i think a
0: lot of people should be looking back on that and like now with the stuff that we saw this season with certain people in this cast looking I mean, at it a little differently
1: i mean let's talk about it i think that um and i i'm not coming up with this on my own this is echoing um, black creators on TikTok that I've seen and and uh, black people from Twitter that have this opinion. Um, like there's quite a bit of colorism on this cast. Sure. And, you know, it's clear that the division of the cast is between the lighter skinned ladies and the darker skinned ladies. Um, and uh, there are clear lines as to where that is. And um I don't know that it's necessarily conscious, but a lot of bias isn't. um,
0: and it's also not even term in terms of what they attack the darker skin women on the cast with. It's all it's almost, I think, more what they give a pass to, to each li- other to yeah. the lighter skin women. In terms of whether they view them as aggressive, whether they view them as, mm-hmm. you know... These- and,
1: and let's be clear, there has been no exclusion of the lighter-skinned girls by the darker-skinned girls. Yeah. The darker-skinned girls have always given the chances to the lighter-skinned girls. That has not been reciprocated. I agree. Um, like, I just, I think that that needs to be stated and said and... Um, you know, it's not about me to give an opinion on, but I do think that we have a responsibility to give voice to that.
0: Absolutely. Um, and then Karen and Ray make their way to the party. And so then this gets into the stuff because obviously Sharice is there. Um, but it starts with Giselle and Karen talking <laughs> and Karen being like, well, Mia gave me the download of everything that happened at Robin's bachelorette party. And then Giselle being like, well, so did Mia tell you that she called you a prostitute. <laughs> and Karen being like, Oh no, she missed that part. <laughs> <laughs> Which in fairness, I can't believe I'm defending Mia in this regard. I don't think she called Karen a prostitute. She didn't. It was a it miscontextualizing by Giselle to say that she called like she was hearing everyone else talk shit and then And then she
1: asked for clarification if that is what Sharice was saying.
0: Yeah. And I, and now that I think about it, like kind of, you know, a reverse for Giselle from last, cause remember last year when Mia said that uh, Giselle called Wendy a, um, a weak bitch or whatever, but mm-hmm. never specifically said the words weak bitch. Yeah. So, like it's kind of on its head there. And then Mia at one point sort of pulls Karen to the side and sort of gives her more in depth, like details of like what the rumors are. Uh, I love Karen just this whole time being like, listen, I hear you, but I'm not listening. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. <laughs> and then she just also like Charisse again, tries to like start a confrontation. Yep. And Karen gives her nothing like that's my, th- particularly with Charisse. Sharice want that big confrontational moment. Well, cause she wants back on the show on a permanent basis. Yeah. And that's where I think they're like, Oh, well, Karen's running, et cetera. And it's like, but that element, I understand why Karen is not going to give to Charisse Cause that's the, the end of the day. What Charisse wants. Um, I still don't. One, I don't believe the rumors. Two, if the rumors are true, who really cares at the end of the day?
1: Yeah. I mean, like I have said before on this podcast, stay out of people's marriages. Like if they have an arrangement, they have an arrangement, and it's none of your business whether they do or not, and it's not your business to be judging them for it.
0: And Mia and her confessional basically lays out the scenario where she thinks that Ray, the, probably is an arrangement. And again, we have had it in on the
1: show. Where Karen and Ray are specifically talking about the fact that she's allowed to have arm candy, where she is taking other men with her to these events. Yeah. Like, and again, if, Ray don't want to go to them shits. And
0: if anyone on that green-eyed bandit side of the table wants to make the argument that Karen is obligated to say the, what the arrangement is... I think after this week, they're going to have a little issue making that point.
1: Yeah, so let's get in. Well, actually,
0: that. well, no, no, there's a little bit more. Oh, that's right. Before that, well, also there's the effigy to Karen. <laughs> I love that Candace <laughs> walks up to the group. And it's like, what did y'all do to Karen? <laughs> Why did y'all chase her out? And they take, like, a little, like, what are those, like, uh, um, the like, the stanchion things and, like, puts a little flower on it and subs in for Karen. Like, like, literally at the title card in third. the end. Like, it's it was great on their part. Um, but this also was the thing that frustrated me. So they do, like, the big, like, you know, conclusion, you know, what a great year it was moment. And then Ashley uh, talks to Candace about, hey, can I talk to... Uh, Chris, because I wanted to clear the air about some of the things. Oh, I
1: forgot about and, this.
0: And apparently in Mexico, they had some discussions with Candace and Giselle and Candace and Ashley about, like, I. we eventually want to talk to Ray. And Candace said, at, at an eventual time, yes. But she's saying to, um, to, not Ray, to... Oh, did I say Ray? Yeah. Uh, Giselle and Ashley, yes. Uh, oh, to Chris, excuse me. I'm all over the place. There's a lot of people on this show. <laughs> and there's going to be a lot more to come. We'll get to it. But, um... Ashley's like, can I talk to him tonight? And Candice's is like, You know, this he doesn't really want to talk and he doesn't want to create an issue tonight because it's my, you know, my event and he doesn't, he just wants it to go off smoothly, et cetera, and not have an issue. And Ashley's like, Well, why does he think that I would be confrontational? And Candace is like, Because
1: you've only ever been confrontational the entire time you've been on this fucking show.
0: Right. Like, and then they, they, you know, sort of have this discussion. And at one point, and then at the end of it, Ashley just says, No, and then walks away from Candace and goes straight to Chris. That is a, That is not a good friend. I'm sorry. If I tell you to not talk to this person because I, and this person, and that my husband has said, I don't want to talk to you tonight because it's not a disrespect thing, but I don't want to ruin this event. And you in my face say no. And like, screw you. Like that's such a shitty thing to do. Um, but Chris handles this really well. Ashley trying to play victim in this and be like, well, you sent out a a tweet threatening me. I'm sorry, like a little... Little tweet from Chris, as opposed to the fucking concerted effort that's been going on this whole season yeah. to malign him with absolute lies. Well, and the I, I know that we're not to the reunion yet.
1: We've got two weeks before that. But they do play a preview at the end of the episode where he talks about he's had to he's lost clients over this. He's lost jobs over this. He's had to explain this to his family. Yeah. And it's been 10 months of nonstop assault. And it's so incredibly frustrating. Because I know he's
0: not working at the W anymore and I hope to God that that's not because of this. Yeah. Because if so, then I think Giselle and Ashley have real, you know, real things to answer to even beyond sort of the more, you know, just genuine human aspect.
1: Oh, there would be a lawsuit in her future if it was me
0: and even chris in the in the conversation with ashley is like you know what i'm sorry but at the end of the day i was being attacked and this is how that's how i responded don't you know don't come at me with bullshit and ashley being like well you were doing things that were uh you know whether unintentional or not that were uh an issue and he at that point he's just like i'm done bye and storms off upset Right. Rightfully so. And Ashley just with her like Cheshire grin on her face being like, what What, what did I do? It's like, stop. But uh, to the point that I was making earlier about like the full circle moment, Candace really kind of confront or, or comforts Chris in the moment. And is very much like, you do not need to answer to these people. They're, they're literally like, you can't win in this scenario. So you don't need to blow up at these people and you don't need to expend any energy on these people. And I found that this was so poignant Mm -hmm. in because it's always the opposite. It's always Chris having to bring Candace down from the brink. Yeah. And sort of, you know, bring her back to reality and And calm her down.
1: Because this is really the first time that Chris has been in the crosshairs. It's usually Candace under attack and Chris trying to bring her back and get her to a calmer place and a place where she can be happier with her actions. Right. And, I I uh, again like you uh, I loved the the full circle of Candace has now gotten to a place where she can let things roll off of her back to a certain degree she she had and a great she, season this she year. has now come back around to coaching her husband through this which is its a first time thing for him so um it's it was a beautiful echo of where they started and and coming through all that they've come through throughout the seasons.
0: Yeah, and then at the very end of the episode, we get some stuff from Robin's wedding, which was um, not in Jamaica.
1: Nope, it was in Maryland.
0: <laughs> they literally, the editors like doing the wide shot of Jamaica and then just cutting to the plane over Maryland. <laughs> like no, it, which honestly, I I would hope Robin made the decision, but honestly, I believe that like her her brother or whatever probably found out and was like, you're going to do what after my wedding? <laughs> uh, I think part
1: of it was also on the part of Bravo of you're not going to sit here and dangle this carrot in front of us for seven seasons and then go off to Jamaica and not let us be there. Yeah, Absolutely, you were not doing that.
0: Yeah. So Robin and Juan get married. It's just them. And, and her, her mother and dad do go to the wedding eventually. And
1: despite it being in Maryland and how shady they tr- the editors were making that... Fact of it, it was actually a very beautiful ceremony.
0: Yeah, it was very pretty. Now moving on to modern day, (laughs) Robin is a clown. I am so sorry. So immediately after this, we get the Watch What Happens Live episode with Robin and Ebony K. Williams is also there. And so this is the big moment. There have been rumblings online that it was very intense at filming this Watch What Happens Live. And we also found out that on the third part of the reunion coming up, there's going to be a part where, and I don't know if it's is Andy going to ask the same questions he asked at the reunion or at the watch what happens live?
1: I don't know. The, and the, the rumor is that after they, they pre-taped that episode of watch what happens live, they kept robin and did a one-on-one interview like they did with brooks on OC when yeah. it came out that he was faking cancer. It also was
0: cut up a little bit to make me think like maybe he asked more questions and they just couldn't fit it onto like a 30 minute watch what happens live.
1: Well, I mean, it not being live, they can do that. Right. And kept some of it. Maybe they kept that was is the third part. I don't know. I hope it's not just spliced bits from that same interview.
0: Yeah. But so Andy looked pissed. And rightfully so. I'm sorry. Like her one, okay, so there's two things that I think is stupid on on Robin's part. One, she goes into detail of what th- one what Juan told her about this girl in Canada, and it makes no freaking sense. There are so many things wrong with her explanation. One, if she is dating a, if she came to Baltimore because she was dating a Baltimore Ravens player and she was trying to get with Juan, why did the Baltimore Ravens player not pay for the hotel? Why did she not already book the hotel? And uh, because if you book a hotel, you don't have to like, like hotels.com is a thing. Also, because hotels.com is a thing. Why did Juan have to drive to the hotel in Baltimore, which is a little, a decent way, like maybe an hour, I think, outside of Potomac to put his card down for her? Couldn't he just either give them the card over the phone or go to hotels.com and order it for her right like and and the well the thing
1: is is that when you book a hotel usually um and this is a I did some research you, so you, yeah. um this particular hotel is part of the choice hotel brands which we have used before um, during our travels, working with wrestling and stuff like that. So we know how they function as a brand. You, when you book the, the thing online, you put your card into the system. Then when you show up, you have to present that same card. Whether you paid online or not, you have to present that same card at that check-in. Yeah and you have to present your photo id that matches the name on the card. So if she had lost her card at the casino as Robin is claiming, then she would not have been able to check into the hotel. Yeah. And furthermore, her name that had that was on her card that she booked the name on under would have shown up on the invoice because
0: you were making the point that they for um, what's the term uh, uh, like if you put charge stuff onto the room or something like
1: that. right for incidentals for incidentals
0: that's the thing they would it wouldn't have
1: Juan's name on it. It would have the name that it was booked under which I mean the the creator that um, is being the mouthpiece for this woman. Um, has kept her identity secret, so I understand on the thing why it would have her name out. But Juan's name shouldn't be on that invoice. Yeah. Juan's name is all over it. Yeah, Juan booked that hotel. Room. It's not
0: just simply like under the card information.
1: Yeah, no, it's- I mean you can technically walk in and book a hotel room, but there's no reason for her to fly to Baltimore. Number one, there's a closer ho- or closer international airport. In
0: D.C. <laughs> we did all the research. We did all. We did the map quest. We did everything <laughs> to like, like break it this makes down. makes no sense. And also the fact that also on this phone call, uh, the person who originally broke the story had a phone conversation. It's on YouTube. With the woman, and she also made the point that Robin also claims that she tried to essentially extort Juan for money and uh, that she sent a Zelle request for $4,000.
1: Zelle does not exist in Canada, it
0: doesn't like, and also, neither does like from what i my reading and understanding, neither does like PayPal or Venmo or any of those. No, like, they
1: have their own thing, and the reason is, is because you can't do through those services because those services are not banks, you cannot do conversions. The only
0: way that it would make sense for her to sell is if she had somehow opened a bank account in America.
1: Which she would have to have an American uh, physical address to do.
0: It doesn't make... And it makes no freaking sense. And this is clearly... Here's the thing. That's a story. This is clearly the story Juan has told her. Whether this was a collaborative story between Robin and, and Juan, or this is just Robin repeating this to try to save face with Juan, I don't know. But it doesn't make any freaking sense, first off. And then second off the utter hypocrisy of this notion that she it just didn't come up on the show i mean it just naturally didn't come up as if they hadn't been filming scenes on the show talking about the prenup talking about putting in an infidelity clause you're telling me in those kitchen table conversations that that topic would not have come up also let's talk about the timeline because the the
1: Um, the invoice that was shown from this hotel was in September of 2021. Mm -hmm. Um, it was early uh, September DMs from this woman to Juan. They go into like January, January of 2022 filming started for Potomac in 2020 or in March, 2022, early March. There is no way that, as Robin claimed, by the time season seven started filming, she was that over this it. was already taken care of and over and done, and so far in the past that it was no longer representative of where we were on the show. Bullshit, Robin. We're and, calling you on your bullshit.
0: And then on for her to have the gall to say that you know. Because people called her, out. I think it was either Andy asked a fan question or something about like, why are you guys, you and Giselle particularly, such the accountability police on the show and are so focused on everyone telling their full true story? but you're doing this and her, her trying to act as if that's not the case and being like, you know, not no one brings their full self to the show. Karen doesn't bring her full self to the show. Yes, Robin. And you've been critiquing Karen about it for seven freaking seasons. That's the point. I feel that's the point Yolanda. That's the point. (laughs) Well, and,
1: and to say that nobody else does like, Candace has had her entire life on the show the entire time she's been there. Monique for her stay on the show had every bit of her life on the show.
0: Karen has as well. I remember the season where Karen and Ray were very open about their marital issues and Ray like and said- Ray's issues with like
1: the taxes and all of that stuff that like that happened on the show for all of her faults um Darby Ashley oh, Darby Ashley Dar- has had everything on the show for all of her faults. Everything has been there. The only two people who have hid shit from the show has been Robin and Giselle. Absolutely, and, and they do not deserve their contract. And,
0: fi- and finding in- find it very interesting that also the the woman in the in the phone interview also said that Juan essentially told her that the relationship is just for the show between him and Robin that it's a that essentially it's a co-parenting relationship which we already you know that's that they were living together in the same house but they weren't mar- dating or married at the time that's how they started season one obviously and that's but honestly
1: it, how it's felt like it's I tell me one scene that has felt romantic between them in the seven year run of this show I mean the
0: few times that once on camera
1: Right. I think he's been on camera
0: once a season. But my point being that... And he
1: never shows up to reunions. It,
0: and I don't think he's at this reunion, which also is frustrating. But I find it so interesting that the, it came up that, according to this, the woman who's the, uh, the mistress, that this, was a, this is a show relationship because essentially Robin needs a storyline because this has been her storyline for seven seasons. Where have we also heard that before? With Giselle and Jamal Mm -hmm. at the season five reunion that Monique Monique brought out about how there are text messages of Jamal with this woman saying that this relation this them rekindling that relationship at like season five and trying to get back together was just for the show. Honestly,
1: I want to see that whole binder because I I guarantee you there there's stuff in there that nobody's ever heard. I'm
0: pretty sure there was a Robin tab. I I I,
1: everybody had a
0: tab. Everybody had a tab, but no, it's just frustrating. I, I think there's a conversation of what needs to happen. I think Robin needs to face some punishment. I don't know if it's firing. It could just be downgrading to friend of, she needs to take some form of a pay cut, but I don't see how you can let this stand without repercussions because then that's going to have ramifications across Bravo. Absolutely. Um, but that's everything that happened with Potomac this week. We're gonna get to the reunion uh, in a couple weeks, like you mentioned before. Uh, there is some big sporting event on like, Sunday. Like that's the
1: Soup Bowl Soup Spoon Soup Spoon.
0: Yeah, is that? Oh, they're the ones opening for Rihanna. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so yeah, so that's why Potomac won't be on next week. Um, but then let's get into one of the newer shows that premiered uh, this week, uh, for their season 13, which was real housewives of New Jersey. And it was, Pat's. it was good. I was kind of, you know, I wasn't the most excited going into this season. Cause I think season 12 left kind of a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth. I think yeah. a lot of people were kind of like, this has become a little stagnant and well, and it, it's becomes, st- it has
1: somehow both become stagnant and also too bloody like there was just too much at stake with what was going on on the show and it just felt too personal like housewives for the most part is pretty light and fun and um it just felt it felt like our family on jersey and i sure. think that that's one of the reasons that people love jersey is because it has a much more f- entire family encompassing cast like you get to know the husbands very well you get the kids on there like we watched Gia grow up yeah um and so it's it feels it hits harder when they're they're arguing like they were last season and how bloody it got it just was it was nasty but this episode I was felt like a taste of older jersey I really liked it I
0: think everyone was kind of on the right path, I think in terms of things. And also the alliances had been kind of really clearly defined and now things are a little bit mixed up. They have some new people in there kind of, you know, I think going to do some really good things, hopefully. Um, But we kick off uh, sort of getting into the issues between uh, Dolores and Jennifer, who were kind of on the same side last year, obviously. Yeah,
1: but they started having their differences a little bit before the reunion and into the reunion.
0: Yeah, and Jennifer felt that Dolores was kind of taking Margaret's side in terms of Margaret uh, and Jennifer's issue where Margaret basically exposed at least to a television audience, Bill's cheating from mm-hmm. 10 years ago. Or not 10 years, but it was, a significant it was a while ago. Yes, a while long enough ago. And Dolores called her to see you next Tuesday at the reunion, which I love Dolores. Dolores does not play I also whatsoever. love when
1: people use, like, those cutesy little, like acronyms or whatever to to curse bitch say cunt it's fine
0: i yeah <laughs> i i'm also i'm i'm big on the uh i you were not as much on the uh the the faggot train before we got together i love i love saying fag i'm sorry i feel like i've earned it <laughs> well here's the
1: thing i i like saying it in jest i will never say it out of anger no of someone. course yeah no, no, no um and i feel like that that's the difference is yeah. like, if we are saying it as part of the community, we are saying it in jest, fine. Like, I don't have a problem with that. And honestly, I, I like using it against homophobes. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's funny. It's just like, oh, you think, so, so just say it. Just call me a faggot. It's fine. D- just say it. I know you're thinking it. So just say it. It's fine.
0: Yeah. But uh, so they sort of Dolores and Jennifer are each in their sort of own scenes, sort of talking about the issue. I also love Gen- Jennifer. Ha- this whole episode has a boot on her foot because she broke her toe, right? Uh, which was get would get really funny, sort of later in the episode when she would get into these fights and then have to like hobble off.
1: Yeah, it, it was it was pretty great. It's it's hard to um, storm off and make a dramatic exit when you're hobbling.
0: Yeah, well, and and, apparently, and as someone who
1: uses a cane on a regular basis, I feel that <laughs> <laughs> like, I felt that in my soul.
0: Yes, um, and she got it. Uh, she says she got it because after the stuff with Bill last season, and then also her car got stolen out of her garage, right,
1: which was a big news story. Her
0: mom wanted to do this like Turkish healing ritual
1: right. With like a big, I don't know any of the details of it, but they showed a little clip of it. Like, yeah, and she they thinks
0: were... that basically because of that, she, that's why she broke her. So. Yeah.
1: She thinks she has now a bad, uh, bad luck or bad energy around her. That's like causing her bad luck.
0: Yeah. So there's their tension there. And then we also see the tension that's uh, happened uh, between Melissa and Teresa, which is one of the longest standing feuds on the show. Obviously Melissa being Teresa's um, sister-in-law. Um, you know, they had at least it seemed like put a bandaid on things, or at least were acting as if they were good for a long enough period of time. And then they kind of took the veil off at the reunion, and were just like, "Look, we're not friends." Yeah. Period. Um, and Melissa's upset that they haven't really talked to Teresa since the reunion. Uh, like she sent a text to uh, Teresa, and then hadn't heard. Like Teresa never responded, and then only responded like three months later to invite them to her fiftieth birthday party, Mm -hmm. and they were like, why the fuck would we go when you haven't spoken to us? Which I get. Also, it's... uh, I don't know. It's... I also found it interesting. So then we go to the 50th birthday party at Teresa's new house, which I love her new house, by the way.
1: Yeah. I really like the castle aesthetic. There
0: is a, the old house was so iconic in the history of Jersey. Yeah. It
1: it was very Jersey.
0: (laughs) Yes. But this one, I really would love living in. Like it's, it's really like beautiful and modern and like, you know,
1: like it's a modern take on a castle without being Carlton from Beverly Hills.
0: I want that pizza oven that's in the. Oh the, yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah! It's great. It looks really good. But her and Louis, and Louis cooking and getting everything ready for her party, uh, and Louis' family's over. And I thought this scene was really interesting. I feel like Teresa did really good this episode for for Teresa. Yeah, and I think there was a lightness to her, and. You know, is it sad that her and Joe are now have such issues and Melissa have such issues that it's become tense and they and you know, Melissa wasn't in her wedding party, etc.? And spoiler alert, towards the end of the season, they don't go to her wedding. Is that, a, is that sad? Yes. But if I think if Teresa's happy, yeah, with Louie's family and their dynamic. With Why does it matter? With
1: everything that she's been through, it she deserves some happiness.
0: And they feel genuine. Like, no, she feels genuinely happy and lighter. The girls, I, I, I feel with the girl or four girls, there's an, it's not fake what they're, they're projecting that they really love Louie and they love his family. Yeah. And they, I don't know if you follow, like I saw um on my TikTok feed because Melania Uh, Is on TikTok. Uh, One of the things that isn't shown on the show, I think for like, you know, decisions with Louie and his ex, um, because Louis has a son who's special needs Mm -hmm. and their relationship with him is really sweet. And it's in, and on like Melania's like showed him on TikTok and sort of how their relationship has like formed. And like Teresa also mothering him in a way, which was really odd to see, even though like, Teresa has been a mom for like all this time. We don't really get to see her in a sort of a motherly yeah. light. And I feel like if they're happy and they're, you know, in a good place, then that's good at the end of the day. Like you said, Teresa's been so, been through so freaking much going to jail, the stuff with uh, her ex husband, the like everything that she's been with her family, both the fighting, but also losing her family, uh, losing her mom and dad. Like, If she's happy at the end of the day and she's going to be lighter and she's going to not be as, you know, um, in a better place. And also she's going to therapy now. Like, Louie's gotten her into therapy and she... I mean, to the point where she... I mean, I know this is, you know, later, but she literally
1: goes up to Margaret and says hey let's have a sit down let's talk through our
0: differences let's
1: try to figure this
0: out i think this is also what Teresa needed for the show i think there were a lot of people i mean there's Teresa fan like at, the, at the, the end of last season i was on that train
1: of maybe it's time to for Teresa to leave maybe it's maybe her time is done <laughs> but i think this episode has proved that there's another side to Teresa. and i think if we can stay with this even if we you know still get some of the cattiness that we know from her. But if her overall demeanor is this, we just need I, a complexity. I'm I'm we need a complexity
0: it. to her character to yeah. where we will accept the sort of harder moments. Right. Um, and then, so uh, we go to Melissa is hosting a eighties party at a disco um, roller rink. Uh, Cause she loves the eighties and uh, everyone's that we see Margaret for the first time. This was also a thing where, the only negative I will say about this episode, and, I, and it, it'll probably be better as the season goes on. Holy crap, there are a lot of people on this show right now. Oh, yeah. There are the five from last season. Then you have the two newbies, Danielle mm-hmm. and, Ra- and Rachel. Plus
1: their husbands, plus friends of...
0: Well, Jackie is still there as a friend friend of. of. Then you have Tracy, who's Tiki Barber's wife, who's a friend of. Then you have another girl named Jennifer, who is Margaret's friend, who's a friend. It's like there were way too many people, and they all looked very similar, and they all had very
1: normal names. So there's seven housewives, three friends of, plus their... Plus the husbands. uh, All their husbands, and um not and not just one husband because we have Frank Catania <laughs> and we who else- is still in the mix even though he's not married to Dolores anymore and she's got another man who is also on the show.
0: It's just a, it's a lot, but I think I'll get used to so it. So it's 21 cast members plus kids. Yeah. Plus the, yeah, oh don't even get when we get into kids and stuff like that. But like Uh, All speaking of Frank, since you mentioned him also, Dolores points out Frank, Frank brings his new girlfriend to the roller rink. 22. (laughs) But also the age difference that gets pointed out, like Frank is 58 and his new girlfriend is 33. She's my age. I think Dolores said I have dogs as old as she is, (laughs) which I hope isn't true. I mean,
1: and it's, it's funny because I love how I made that that um oh my god she's my age and you literally turned around while we're watching this show and said okay but you would fuck frank and i'm like okay yeah that makes sense
0: yeah we'll get into the fuckability of the husbands cuz i think <laughs> this this being our first time talking about jersey we need to get in that into that discussion but uh we also see the two new the new housewives coming in for the first time we see Danielle who's coming in who's a friend of Teresa's um and she is the different Danielle oh.
1: d- not yeah. Danielle Staub for any other fans of Jersey.
0: No, but she's uh her stepmom is married to Caroline Manzo's brother. So there is also a part in that, which also was confusing to people being like, she's Teresa's friend on this show? Like, cause Teresa and Caroline have their issues. Yeah, because so
1: apparently she met her through Caroline, but then when Caroline Manzo and Teresa had their falling out, she remained friends with Danielle. Because they just clicked really well, and it's just like,
0: yeah, I don't. She seems nice. Like she's from Staten Island and not Jersey, and she talked. Also, later. does that
1: make us 23?
0: Tw- a win- twenty-three? Twelve total. Twenty-three people on the cast. <laughs> Oh my god. But no, she she seems nice. And and we there was a little scene later in the season with or in the episode with her and her family. And she seems nice. I want to see how she interacts with the group. And then we also have Rachel, the other new housewife, who is a friend of Melissa's, and they're friends because Melissa and their and Rachel's sons are both friends and do like sports and stuff like that together. Um and so we introduce them. You mentioned that um Teresa at one point during the party goes up to Margaret and invites her over to the house to sort of settle their issue from less, <laughs> I love... And the- then Margaret
1: promptly breaks her wrist
0: on the- <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She broke her wrist skating. But, uh, like, I love that Teresa just, like, I want b- to bring you over to the house and Margaret just goes, why? So you can bury me in the backyard. <laughs> 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 I like fun, Mar- like, quick-witted fun Margaret is-, yeah. is always fun.
1: I will... I do want to point out that um, Margaret, when she falls on the on the skate floor. She, um, I don't even know if that's what it's called. Um, the but rink. she, she falls in the rink. There we go. Rink. You can tell I was very athletic as a child. <laughs> um, she falls on the rink and she's like, no, I think I just sprained it. And then the next time we see her, it's in a brace. And she says, I got I broke my wrist and then like later in the episode she says something about my arm is broken. It's like how much bigger <laughs> is this going to get? Next scene we have you in you're going to walk it or be wheeled in in a full body cast. Like I'm I'm convinced.
0: Poor Margaret and, and two people with injuries right now on this cast. Right. Um and then all speaking of the other one with injuries, Jennifer. There's sort of there, her and Dolores are kind of avoiding each other, particularly Jennifer's avoiding Dolores. Right. And then like they're in a group conversation and Jennifer like Dolores comes in and Jennifer walks away and Dolores literally grabs her by the arm and be like, you're not going to walk away from me a second time. (laughs) It was awkward as hell, but fun. It was fun. Yeah. And Dolores says that she's inviting everyone over to her, uh, to Margaret's house to do a photo shoot for a a calendar that they're doing because Dolores does this stuff for the charity, uh, where they do an annual baseball game. We saw the baseball game last season. They're doing it again this year. Um, and so they're inviting all the husbands over to Margaret's house. And that's
1: a prime scene for us to talk about the fuckability of the husbands. But we're still not there yet. No, There's still a a moment. We,
0: we, we have to go to the uh, Teresa and Margaret uh, at Teresa's house. Uh, Margaret and Joe uh, go over. This I thought was really... In- I mean, there are certain things that are classic Teresa and her... And classic Margaret. In terms of their discussion. And it starts in a way where, like, yes, they're kind of still butting heads and they're like not giving an inch the Louie stepping in at that point and just being like, listen, babe, you're talking over her. And like, you're talking over me right now. I like the way I call me crazy, you know, normal in a, normally in a scenario for like a man to like, sort of like shush a woman is kind of looked down upon. Right. But he's not doing it
1: in that kind of misogynistic. I'm better than you. I'm no better than you sort of way. It's a, Hey, I'm looking out for
0: you. Yeah. And to sort of put her back on, Track right. because she can get off Track very easily um, And I think you know I feel like she was genuine in her apology And um, Melissa or, or Margaret brings Up that you know can this You know men, can you mend this stuff with Melissa As well and Teresa is A little more hesitant on that she brings up the fact That she was really upset last season when uh, They go to Melissa's beach house And Teresa had t- texted her Hey can you make sure to sort of like help louie a little bit and sort of make sure that everyone lays off louie because i'm worried about this is the first time introducing him to the group and melissa basically reads the text message to the entire group at the pool being like look at what teresa sent me
1: and i think that she could have even shared that text to everyone without because i feel like there was a coloring of things like oh my god look how silly she's being yeah and i think if she had instead said hey Teresa wanted to know if we could all lay off of Louie just because he's a little nervous coming into the group for the first time, you know, just give him some space, like, be a little nice yeah. to him.
0: it's It kind of, uh, and Louie's very opinionated also this episode we saw throughout. He says that it was, Melissa was insecure in that moment, mm-hmm. which Melissa takes offense to when she hears it back from Margaret. But I think what he means by that, it was like it was kind of felt like Melissa was showing off. Yeah. In that regard. Well, I think it's funny because I think the change in
1: Louis can be attributed to the fact that last season he had not gone back and watched all of Jersey. Yeah. And we now know that he has gone back through with Teresa and rewatched everything. So he now knows what show he's on yeah. and he's here to play and I'm here for it. I, I really enjoyed him.
0: Yeah. She also, <laughs> Margaret, Margaret at one point is like, are you, you know, you being, is this real? Or are you just doing this for him? She's like, no, I, I am. I'm, I'm as raw. I'm as raw as a cucumber. What? <laughs> I think she meant cool, cool as a cucumber.
1: Yeah. It, like, yeah, I don't she, know what she She meant, also but. had a
0: very Teresa moment later in the episode where she didn't know what a fluffer was. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it was uh, was a lot. Um, But they sort of mend fences, which is nice. Uh, And then we go to Margaret's house where they're doing the photo shoot for the calendar. So let's get in. Let's first off, before we get into any of the drama and discussion from uh, what happened at at Margaret's house, we got to get into the fuckability of the husband. This is a hot button topic across Jersey. So because everyone has their favorite, everyone has their, you know, go to. I Uh, I
1: also, I I do want to preface this by um, saying that I am a whore and (laughs) I will sleep with almost anyone. So,
0: yeah, I mean, that's fair. I, I, for, I think for years, everyone said it's Joe 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 Gorgon And I
1: get it. He's got a great smile when it's genuine. His eyes are piercingly beautiful.
0: And then he talks. Then and, he talks. And that's an issue. Like, if I could just remove his voice box, he becomes great. <laughs> but I think that the tides are shifting in sort of the dialogue online. And I think a lot of people are on my side in this that Evan is the hottest house husband.
1: Uh, Evan is definitely up there um, as we mentioned earlier um, I really enjoy myself a Frank Catania um,
0: it's what it's 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 uh, do you want chocolate or vanilla like it's it's uh, do you want strawberry or blueberry it's like it's very different like ends I of the think spectrum
1: I think it's just because I am a larger person um, in and of myself and that has never really translated to the role that I want to be in with someone I'm being intimate with. And I feel like Frank could do that.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I thought it was like, I found Danielle's husband very attractive in their like family scene at their house. Yes. Uh, but there was something so. about him shirtless at the photo shoot where I didn't get the same vibe. I don't know why that is. Yeah.
1: I think it be- because he was trying to show off for the camera as opposed to being genuine. Yeah. Genuine is sexier than anything else you can do
0: and then Ra- rachel's husband is very intriguing to me that he we said that he he was like a shrunken dave batista like oh in, yeah but so, with like really like cleaner facial hair almost too clean you you know what he, lo- he what he kind of looks like
1: is one of the um one of the lovers off of the the what is that the show with the Tiger King. Oh, maybe. But with obviously with better teeth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. And like, well, and then so also Bill Aiden, Jennifer's wife, is part of this. And at one point, Jennifer says that she, he shaved his chest for this. And me and Merlin in unison just go, why? why? <laughs> like, Bill's hot. Bill is very attractive.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: and I mean, like you, you, why, why would
1: you remove the? And the thing is, is that he shaved the very middle of his chest. The sides of his chest were still hairy, and you could also still see all of the hair roots on yeah. his chest. So it, all it did was make it look like he had an unfortunate accident with the razor, yeah. as opposed to. <laughs> purposely shaving his chest
0: no yeah it keep, was
1: just it wasn't a good idea keep the
0: hair keep the hair uh, um but yeah so they do this photo shoot to get in the sort of the drama of it all jennifer is still really upset about the dolores stuff she's trying to avoid her as much as possible but she gets into conversations with some of the women about her issues with dolores and how she didn't stand up for her and she's th- i thought it was very interesting she makes the point of like you know i was very ride or die for dolores when she was dating david uh uh, her prior before Patrick. And, right. And, you know, I, I could have easily told her, like, girl, she, he's leading you on, et cetera. This is the wrong choice. You know, but I never did that. And I think it was Rachel or someone who was like, well, you just did. But it's like, I thought the consensus was that. I thought the consensus was that David was wrong for Dolores and that he didn't want marriage. And so, therefore, if, you know, he's Dolores shouldn't stick with him. I thought that was the consensus among the group. Yeah,
1: I... And I think it was the consensus among fans, too. Like, we like David. I didn't dislike David, but I didn't like him for Dolores. Right.
0: And so Jennifer's getting upset about this. Um, she kind of snaps back at Rachel at one point and is also crying about it. Uh, the word gets back to Dolores that Jennifer's upset. And so Dolores basically pulls Jennifer to the side to sort of have this, finally have this conversation. And I <laughs> there was also that weird moment where Rachel was talking to Melissa, about what it was happening with Jennifer. And Jackie was in the in like the vicinity as well. And like middle of it, Jackie's just like, you know, you can look at me. You know, you haven't made eye contact me once. It's not good manners.
1: Jackie needs that check.
0: Jackie's like, I don't want to be a friend of anymore. <laughs> and no,
1: I, I think she wants to be a friend of because she doesn't want the cameras in her business. But if she's gonna be there, if she's gonna be In the scene, she wants to be involved.
0: Yeah. I felt bad for Rachel. She's like, this is, like, my first big event, and, like, I'm getting it from all sides right now. Um, But Dolores and Jennifer talk it out, and this was a really good fight, I thought, from both of their parts. Like, they both came in with really good points, uh, fought for their points, and, like, you know... Jennifer's Dolores is just like you. You and I have very different concepts of how uh, we want to be friends. Oh, of what a friend means. And Jennifer's like, "You're absolutely right because I'm a good person. You're an asshole." And then they just start fighting some more, which and I think is honestly the opposite. But whatever. When Je- when Dolores is activated, some people think that Dolores is like a filler housewife and that she doesn't do much. When Dolores is activated, she is great. I and wish
1: she- I wish she had stood up to. Treat- some more in previous seasons but um, I'm glad that she showed up in this episode, and I hope she continues to over the season because I really do like Dolores. Yeah.
0: So, and one and Bill is trying to get Jennifer out of the house space or take her home or whatever. And at one point, Dolores she's just goes, just
1: hobbling away.
0: Dolores goes, "Poor thing, he's got to go home with her." <laughs> and, and then again,
1: it just underlines the hilarity of it when she's just limping away in that boot.
0: And then, like the big cliffhanger at the end, is Jennifer walking away and going that she yelling. She looks like an old fucking handbag. <laughs> What I mean Dolores is very uh very tan I'll say that. very tan, as Wendy Williams used to say, black Dolores. <laughs> uh
1: what was it that uh they have said about uh Raven when she walks into? oh the, that she's she in, walks dark in, in a dark mode.
0: <laughs> She's just got good jeans. That's all it is. But this was a really good episode of Jersey. I'm really glad that uh, this was the start off this season. I think it's going to be in a good place. Yeah,
1: it really in, reinvigorated a um, overly heavy show from last season. So I'm really glad. All right. So let's move into the um, other, the last Real Housewives uh, franchise we have for this week. And that is Real Housewives of Miami.
0: Yes. Big uh, cast trip to the Bahamas for Miami this week. Uh, I I'm interested to get your thoughts on everything that happened this week because there was it was very much your forte. We have a witch in the group, so uh-huh. uh, there was a lot of witch conversation that happened. That I definitely want to get your. Uh, in
1: fact, I believe the episode was called "Brujeria in Bahamas." That, in the Bahamas. That's a
0: good. That's a good title. Uh, we start the show like. Uh, right before they go to the bahamas of julia and adriana going to this uh, they say there was a they called it a botanica is that like the mm-hmm. official like name for that kind of shop mm-hmm. um, yeah. so it
1: would be more of a um shop catering to santaria as opposed to just a generic witchcraft shop
0: yeah so and they want to basically cleanse things with some people <laughs> particularly larsa for spreading rumors and for Alexia, for also spreading rumors, I guess just for spreading rumors, and we see them getting stones and or, or crystals, I should say, mm-hmm. and getting um, uh, some kind of powder. I, I it was like myrrh powder. I I can't remember. It was it they might gave, have been. It gave them to them at the uh, later in the episode. Um, but we go straight to Miami or excuse, uh, to uh, the Bahamas, I should say. My big point through this whole episode, where I was really uh, wanted to praise this this franchise, this is how you do a cast vacation. Like other franchises, need to look at this shit and take note. Like when we had on Salt Lake City, like the like San Diego trips when they're doing like Marilyn Monroe parties for no reason and like Greek nights and all. It's like. No, we want to see you go on a really nice vacation to a really nice place and do vacation y things and have good food. Like, I was, we want to be jealous of the vacation at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, but when um, your entire franchise is based on being a, a parody of the rest of the franchises and all you can do is basic white girl bitches, even though all of your cast is not basic white girls. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's what you end up getting. Like,
0: vacations. Fashion and just the general like essence of the show. People need to look to Miami more often and yeah, what, in what they're doing.
1: Honestly, pull it off a Peacock, put it onto put it onto the the the, the Bravo.
0: Yeah, it's it's really it's delivering. Um, they're uh going to the hotel. And there's this discussion about Lars, because Lars has her hair braided. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Gertie's like, they're really heavy. And, like, Gertie's like, oh, she's stealing my look, essentially. I don't want to get into the topic of, like, braiding hair and, like, whether it's, like... So the whole
1: <laughs> the whole point of braiding hair when you um, are going on vacation is, be- especially into places that are humid climates... Is that it um the humidity really causes some damage to your hair the more texture you have, yeah, so if you have a a tighter curl pattern in your hair, um putting your hair into braids will help protect it from that humidity
0: um, now, La- I now, don't
1: know that Larsa qualifies for that
0: she said her family was Moroccan, which I don't know if that was a thing that like. And I mean we maybe she you know constantly gets her hair
1: um, you know permed flat for the show and because it she's um adhering to white beauty standards yeah. you know which is a thing
0: that people of color do all the time so yeah. and then I mean Larza was friends with Kim Kardashian
1: yeah so that makes her like person of color adjacent right in her mind
0: <laughs> yeah exactly but so they um also also Marisol is not on this trip because she tested positive for covid and uh allegedly and we'll that'll come into play later uh and she's very upset Marisol I like a lot of people are like I think it's charming how try-hard Marisol is, like, on this show. It but can like, be
1: a little exhausting.
0: <laughs> but you could tell she was really upset about not
1: going on this vacation. And, like, apparently she's she's mad because she thinks someone has been doing brujeria on her in order to keep her from going on this cash trip or something. Yeah, she's I don't know.
0: Yeah. So, it, it, I thought it was interesting. I mean, sh- her mother was in that sort of, mm-hmm. you know, vibe. So, it's not that... Uh, out of the realm. Um, and also, also,
1: side note to uh, Bravo, if you want to do Real Witches of Pittsburgh, I got you. Call me.
0: Anyway, continue. Okay, casting director. Look, I need some money, okay? <laughs> um, and also, Lisa ends up going on the trip. There was thoughts of whether she would go or not because of the Lenny stuff. But she does decide to end up going to sort of take her mind off things. They, ha- they also institute a Lenny counter, which if they bring up Lenny at any point, they have to take a shot
1: which was a good idea and a bad idea all at once. I felt like we were watching an episode of Animaniacs. Good idea. Bad idea.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they, they're they at the uh, Baja Mar reso- Resort. I only know this because this was also the resort. Fun fact that The View went to when they did that. Oh, really? Yeah. I re- it's the same resort. They also did the flamingo yoga that we saw later. <laughs> <laughs> but so they get to the resort and they're sort of hanging out by the pool. It's really beautiful. Great hotel. Um. I- this moment though, when they're like part of the cast is like, we want to go down to this like big water slide sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And some of them are not, you know, vibing with it. They're like, we'll be the adventurous girls and you guys can be the golden girls over there. <laughs> and the fact that Larsa, speaking of the golden girls that came up earlier this episode, <laughs> the fact that Larsa was like, are they calling us golden girls? Cause we're tan. <laughs> I, and she apparently has no idea what the Golden Girl
1: is. Yeah, because they literally like the producers in the confessionals asked her about that. She was like, No, I hadn't don't know what that is.
0: It's it oh And that's not the
1: that? only time that someone doesn't know what something that is very well known to the rest of society is on this episode. Yes. And we'll talk about that later.
0: <laughs> um but uh they sort of start talking about because Lisa's with that group and they're sort of talking Lisa's, you know obviously upset and venting. I thought what Adriana had to say about her perspective of like what, how men don't factor in women's feelings in terms of this kind of stuff. Very interesting. Obviously I don't like to generalize and be like all men and you know, right. But I mean,
1: it is a, it is a trend in American society. I won't say everywhere, but in American society that men um, or more masculine people are um, socialized in a way that, that is devoid of emotional consideration Yeah, and both for themselves and for others and to their own detriment and to the people around them's detriment.
0: And the way she put it of like all those moments in our lives that we found so sentimental and so loving, we compartmentalize and we take into, you know, our hearts and they don't like it's just in it's not it's sort of in the back of their minds and not. You know, so so when something newer comes along, and I think it's also Miami culture, I think these particular group of women have to deal with this more than, say, a lot of people in the outside world, necessarily, because there is that sort of machismo and those sort of, like, men are allowed to kind of be their sort of more toxic selves. Yeah,
1: the, the toxicity, the toxic aspects of, um, well, not the toxic mas- uh, aspects of masculinity, but toxic masculinity... Um, really is heightened there as the prevalent form of masculinity. Right.
0: Yeah. And I, 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 yeah, I thought it was an interesting conversation. They go later uh, that night to dinner and um, uh, that's when Julia starts to hand out her crystals that she got for everyone. I think she did this in the right way. I was worried that she was going to kind of be like, I was worried you guys were going to bring negative energy, so I was going to give you this stuff, which I think would have been the wrong move for this group. Right. But I think she presented it in a way where it was more sentimental. I but, mean, it still didn't land with some of the girls,
1: but that's that's fine. She well, still presented it in the way that was like, hey, I care about you and I want the best for you, and that's what this is f- supposed to represent. Well,
0: because Alexia does bring up that she talked to Marisol over the phone and that she had been worried that somebody – she had had a feeling that, like you mentioned, somebody had put some kind of curse on her – or something. Mm-hmm. um. And I under Like, when Alexia... I wanted to get your perspective, because Alexia is Cuban, and sort of... She talks later in the episode about sort of, like, the... I think she said, called it, like, the black eye, or, like, the... The, the uh, evil eye? The evil eye. Mm-hmm. um. And sort of... That was sort of more her trepidation. And I guess that comes from sort of... I mean, you could explain it better, but like from sort of a religious perspective.
1: Yeah, the evil eye exists in a lot of different cultures, um, the idea of an evil eye. Um, and it, it you're, um, the whole thing is you have like this um, basically in that someone who is a practitioner of magic, um, you know, white culture, we call it witch, um, Latin culture is brujeria. um, you know or bruja for which there's a lot of different variations of that around the world, right? Different cultures. But it pretty much is prevalent that a witch can cast with a look. If she gives you a death glare, you're screwed. So an evil eye um, is those blue stones. You'll sometimes see them as pendants or um, you'll see them in earrings. You'll see them all all these different charms but sometimes they're just like a little worry stone and they're um there's like blue and white rings like in the shape of an eye like sort of a an almondy kind of shape yeah um and it's supposed to ward off that it's supposed to protect you from the evil eye so you carry that on you in case you get on the bad side of a witch you're
0: safe. Cause they also, it was also talking a lot, I think about intention. Cause she had mentioned something about how she had a feeling when she had met Todd, that Adriana had been putting out sort of these intentions for herself of like wanting Mm -hmm. to find another man and that it kind of got passed on to Alexia, which I feel like that's something I've heard before that like you can sometimes put out intentions and they could hit necessarily other people instead of yourself. And like, is that, you're kind of, <laughs> you're kind of giving me a
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't, I honestly, my brain is a little bit fuzzy on the specifics in that scene. Yeah. But um, I will say in general um, it, that if someone knows what they're doing and they are putting out intentions actively, like they're saying, this is what I want for myself. This is the vision I have for my future. That's not going to rub off on people. Because also, I it don't think... Can, Audri- in general, if you're just exuding that energy, it can kind of eke onto
0: things. Yeah. But
1: if you're actively saying, this is what I want for my life, it's not affecting anybody else.
0: Because I was going to say, it doesn't seem like Adriana is like... I may be wrong, but it doesn't seem like she's super versed in sort of... At least no. when they were at the shop, like yeah. it felt like they were kind of had like a sort of baseline understanding. It's
1: more of a superstitious understanding um, and a wary understanding of all things supernatural as opposed to... uh,
0: Julia was worried in her hotel room about the curtains at one point that were opening. They thought it was a ghost or something. Girl. Like, okay. Like, that was a little, you know. But I think, you know... Alexia at at least at the table presents as like, Oh, thank you so much for this crystal and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um but and then they get into a game where they're reading cards with like questions with each other. It's like Th- this is supposed to be a light and not shady at all game, proceeds to read shady questions. But they kept it really fun, I thought, and I think I we see with Housewives Vacations of them kind of trying and inserting these little things like these little games and stuff like that to sort of like create moments. Just bring cards against humanity like the rest of us do. It's fine. Sure. But I thought this actually was done pretty well. Uh, Adriana basically says that she watches boring porn, which I don't believe. Adriana does she not seem like She says she watches
1: type. boring porn, but then she says... Yeah, you know, like mom and dad stuff, a little, what was the thing she said? She said DP.
0: A little bit of DP. And the best part, it was just Julia the whole time next to her going, what is DP? Someone this is tell the, me what is
1: DP? The third time this week that we are discussing something very, very well known in uh, popular culture, and yet someone had no clue what it was.
0: Yeah, it was just, it, it was hilarious. And then Adriana's Julia impression that she had to do was really spot on. It really was. And when Adriana in her professional was saying that like, basically you just have to do Julia child.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: I was like, that's pretty accurate. Shockingly enough. Um, Nicole talks about how she had, once threw her neck out, giving head, <laughs> 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 like really fun, like sort of lighthearted stuff and, and good sort of bonding moments with them. And, 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 I think, like, there's an expectation sometimes that every moment with the group together needs to have drama on these kind of shows. Yeah. And it really doesn't. Like, I think this was really fun. Um, they have a good dinner. Uh, the next day they're doing flamingo yoga and they're kind of in their own groups kind of discussing, like, stuff that happened. Julia felt that, like, Alexia was kind of coming for her a little bit at the dinner because of what she brought up about Marisol feeling that she was got, had a hex on her. Um, and that, she, um, she felt kind of off put by it. Um, and then Adriana starts talking about how, like, she kind of feels really distant from Alexia and that, uh, kind of goes into more depth of why the fact that, you know, Alexia and Marisol were both in her wedding as bridesmaids. And then like, after she got divorced, she kind of like, didn't hear from them. She says, Larsa says she doesn't buy this, which I thought was interesting. Larsa was like, I know Alexia. I know the type of person she is, and so and she and Adriana can exaggerate things at times.
1: Yeah, I'd say that's accurate. I would
0: say, from what we know of Adriana.
1: <laughs> yeah, she just likes to uh, just garnish the truth a little.
0: Yeah, and I oh, and Lisa also talks about how because she her, Girl, the lily, her children are at camp or whatever while she's at on vacation. That her son was really upset and didn't want to go to camp and was saying stuff about like, I never want to be married. Mm, which like mm-hmm. was really heartbreaking because it was like, he's feeding off of this negative energy with the divorce and all that. And that was really sad. Um, they go down to have like sort of like a little breakfast. Um, and Nicole is like very thankful that everything's going so well in this because Nicole's organized this whole trip and then everything's calm. And she she also makes a point throughout the episode that it's like, well, the fact that Marisol's not here yeah. and the whole last year it was her kind of stirring up all this drama on the vacation. Very nice to, you know, sort of not have that. Um, good foreshadowing. Um, and then, uh, oh, and then um, they start talking about kids to where Julia pulls Gertie aside to tell her about her and Martina wanting to adopt. Right. And that this was sort of a – she really wanted to tell Gertie because of um, – the sort of stuff that they had last season where they were kind of crying over the fact that like Gertie had a miscarriage thought that Julia had as well, but it was for those that didn't watch last season, like it's kind of a longer story to get into about how Julia had a baby who unfortunately died from, shaken baby syndrome in this like we, this like tragic, but like mysterious, like, like
1: with a nanny that like disappeared. Yeah. It was, yeah. And it her, was very weird. And
0: her, the baby's father is like this very notorious, like there's a long story. It's hard to even get into in this podcast. I encourage you to watch last year's uh, season. Cause it's like, it's a very riveting story. Um, but wanted to confide that to Gertie and then Adrian and, and, Alexia kind of talk a little bit to try to hash things out. And I feel like they're getting to a good place. Like, like they seem to be trying to meet each other Yeah. in the middle more than Alexia is normally one, to, as we saw last week. Um, and she kind of felt like when Julia came along, Adriana was just focused on her and didn't want anything to do with them. And then literally as Adriana is saying, um, You know, I feel like sometimes with you and Marisol, Marisol can kind of, like, be a little headstrong and insert herself in things and, you know, kind of create issues. And literally, as she's saying this, hi, I got cocky, Marisol coming in with a megaphone, very, (laughs) very Jill Zarin. um, Very Jill Zarin. And everyone is just looking at, like, just head swivels to her
1: and being like oh no i mean at least this um cast are you talking about
0: scary island when you talk yes, about okay. yes, yes, yes.
1: i thought you were talking about ultimate girls trip when she walked in and no one knew who she was well that
0: well to reference <laughs> right scary island um that it was so funny it was so like oh, oh my god of oh fucking course and of course Going forward, this trip is going to get really messy. I feel like all the niceties are going to go out the window.
1: Yeah, but I honestly, I really love that Miami is so much lighter than other seasons or other um, franchises because there's no real bad blood. Like people have their fights, people have their tiffs, but at the end of the day, I believe that this group likes each other and likes spending time with each other and they have their differences, obviously, like every friend group does. But at the end of the day, I believe that they are a group of friends.
0: Yes. I, I will say we in the beginning of the episode, we got like a kind of like quick trailer of like what we're to, to expect from this vacation. And there is something that happens. I won't spoil it because it hasn't happened yet on the show, but they show the clip of it that might put that to the test a little bit. It might. I I was mouth agape when, I won't spoil anything. It's, Just stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay
1: tuned because we will be talking about it when it happens. Yeah,
0: but uh, like you said, really great episode of Miami. Uh, I think is a great model of what a Housewives franchise should look like and everyone should be taking notes. Uh, But we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we are going to get to talk about the season 10 premiere of Vanderpump Rules. You're not going to want to miss it. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com.
1: Welcome back to A Gay and His MB. Let's get into Vanderpump Rules. Thank you so much, listeners, for sticking with us. We know this is a longer episode than usual um, but we wanted to make sure that we dove into every bit of these episodes with you and gave you the same quality content you are used to getting from us. So thank you again for sticking with us. Now let's dive in.
0: Yeah. Vanderpump Rules. This is a franchise that like we, when me and Merlin both binged housewives over COVID mainly and sort of like, and we reached a point though where it's like, okay, that's kind of it. I, I didn't think I was going to touch Vanderpump Rules. It didn't seem we like had my vibe. We actively...
1: So let me take you through this because initially I was like, no, I don't really watch this kind of reality television. It's not my, it's not my zhuzh, you know? And Eamon was like, you know, we, we really should watch this one uh, franchise of Real at least Housewives. Because
0: at least it's a subset of Beverly Hills with Lisa Vanderpump at the helm. There might be some contextual elements that. Right, and I was like,
1: "Okay, fine, we'll watch this one," and then he's like, "Okay, but we should also watch this one." I'm like, "Okay, fine," and then it turns out that we're watching everything on Bravo pretty much that's not um, Below Deck and uh, Summer House, Summer House, whatever that, is. that sort of stuff. Yeah, but like all the uh, the Housewives and Housewives adjacent things, like Vanderpump Rules. Um, Candy and the Gang. We watched the one season of, you know, those things. Um, now we're watching all of it, and it's all Eamon's fault. And I wanted to put that out there.
0: Sorry, um, but I will say we were both kind of trepidatious of Vanderpump Rules of whether we we're going to like it. But I think we got hooked very riveted. Quickly. It is a great show, um, and I think there was also a lot of worry that it's kind of like dipped a little bit because the main characters aren't. Because this was also. Originally a show revolving around the waiters and waitresses at uh, Sir, which is a restaurant owned by Lisa Vanderpump in Beverly Hills. And now they've kind of drifted away from that because they've gotten older. Now they have families. Now they have their own businesses and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But this episode, this first episode for season 10, I thought really got back into like what I love about this show.
1: Oh yeah, completely. Um, So over the break, we or at last reunion. We found out that, um, James and um, Raquel. Raquel had uh, called off their engagement. And then uh, right after hearing that Lala and um, Randall, Randall had broken up and there's all this scandal about Randall. Um, and then after the reunion and before they started filming for the new season, um, Tom Schwartz and Katie broke up. And and they got a divorce, and And, it's just like, oh my gosh, like everybody's single now. What is going
0: on? And the Katie and Tom one, I think, was really like a big. I mean, like we've only seen them together on this show. Yeah, they've been together for twelve
1: years, married for five, and it just it was really heartbreaking hearing that happen. But I was really happy to see them more healthily handle this, at least in the beginning. I know there's some drama, but. They're they're still friends, and it it's a beautiful way to handle a,
0: a divorce. This intro with sort of like the contrasting of like seeing the wedding, like and 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 seeing Sandoval crying to the dog. I had <laughs>
1: forgotten about that, and that he literally on the screen is wiping his eyes with the dog, and we both just went, we forgot
0: that. <laughs> and then contrast to now, um, th- you know, Katie said that um, that to- the issue was that Tom never really made her a priority, which. Very true. We have
1: been saying it since I mean, the one.
0: It's not th- it's not a breakup we're necessarily we're sad about, but we're not surprised about.
1: Yeah. I think I'm surprised it lasted this long, to be honest.
0: Their communication was never good. I would say largely on Tom's part. I mean, literally during the when they're talking about them breaking up and what Katie asking for the divorce, like Tom's like, I can't give you specifics of what she said because I wasn't listening, but I know that one of her issues was that. I don't listen to her which yeah Tom I mean that's also a polite way to put it <laughs> about,
1: like it's and it's also gotten pointed out at every reunion since season 1 so I mean it's not like you didn't know yeah but, but Kate, he wasn't listening so he didn't
0: <laughs> but Katie also makes it clear that we can have a friendship we can you know be friends we don't have to split up this group but on one condition don't hook up with anyone in the friend group, and then yeah. that's the big cliffhanger of the intro. And if you follow the T of the from filming and everything that goes on in between. We know he
1: hooks up with somebody. Yeah. We won't spoil who that is yet.
0: What Also, quick, uh, before we get into the episode, what is your thoughts on the new intro?
1: I love the new intro. I have been complaining for several seasons now that it is really not a great representation for your restaurant when all of your bartenders and servers fling drinks at each other. (laughs) But it's so iconic. It really is. But one of the most iconic things with her not being on the show anymore um, from the intro is... Um... Kristen always having a weird look on her face in every <laughs> intro, and the last season I really missed it, and I miss it again this season. But I do not miss having Kristen on the show oh, too much. It's way too much. We
0: we differ on that.
1: I, I but we, I do miss Stassi. Bring Stassi back. Justice for Stassi. I
0: I, I fully agree. Yeah, we're not gonna get into it because I whatever you'll make. Bring us. the witches
1: but a weehoe back.
0: But it's okay. Um, so they start off this episode with um. We see Katie and, and Tom Schwartz kind of, uh, doing a dog exchange, almost like a custody oh gosh, exchange, yes. which is, and Katie has her own apartment now. Um, and the
1: dog is pouting when when uh, Swart- Schwartz walks out and yeah. she's like, you are really overreacting. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: and then we get in. So James and Raquel, uh, are both separately heading to Sur for one of their shifts. Uh, James is DJing again at sir. And James is now with another girl named Allie who he got with like three weeks after breaking up with Raquel. Which means
1: three weeks after the reunion.
0: And is already living with her.
1: And calling her the love of his life.
0: Yeah, it's an issue. Um, Raquel also notes that uh, she thinks that Allie looks like James's mom. And that it's kind of might be like a mommy issues thing, which James does have some, has some mommy issues that we've seen on the show.
1: And he also has an addictive personality. And I think that he's just replacing the alcohol with women.
0: Well, and Lisa brings it up uh, uh, when she talks to James later in the episode about like, I feel like he should have taken a break. Yeah. Like he should have taken at least like six months. They were
1: together for a while, like
0: five years almost. Yeah. You know, he should have taken some time to be with himself and be with his own thoughts and sort of get like. But he can't do that. His, my, I will like scream
1: this from the mountaintops. That man has unmedicated ADHD. Get him on medication and he'll be fine. Yeah,
0: switch the cocaine. For, yeah, <laughs> stop taking coke, dude. Like, he's he's admitted to it. By the way, it's not conjecture. Um, but and. Raquel, I will say seems a lot more confident this season and we see it throughout the episode, which I really enjoy because I've already always liked Raquel on the show. I think she's gotten bogged down with James a lot. And because of her relationship with James, she's never been able to sort of like fully express herself. And she gets into that a little bit about how she kind of had to be quiet at times and like not rock the boat, she says.
1: But I really do enjoy who this new Raquel is. Because, and with Katie too, you see really both of them showing who they always were, but yeah. were hiding. Because we never, we never got to see them. We never got to see Katie not being a mother to Schwartz, to Schwartz and not always taking care of him and doing everything he needed. And so she wasn't like taking care of herself and now she is and now she's living her best life and i love it and um we see the same thing with raquel like we really see both of them blossom uh even just in one episode you really see a drastic change in their personalities and it's it's beautiful to see
0: yeah and then we also head over to the still being renovated schwartz and sandy's Uh, Why has
1: this place not opened yet?
0: Oh, my God. Well, they're getting ready at this point in the show for the Daily Mail party that's going to happen within the week.
1: Also, why is it always a Daily Mail um, party? Because isn't that the first thing that they had at TomTom, too, when it was...
0: Yeah, yeah. Something you would think, like, I mean, you would think, allegedly, with Lisa's connections, if you want to believe the women on Beverly Hills, you would think page six. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But we won't get into that. That's a long conversation. Um, but so they're talk they're getting everything ready. They're finalizing the design elements, and they're like, we can't go back. We have to sort of just power through until this party. Um and Schwartz, I thought it was interesting. There was a little bit of talk at this at the reunion from Katie last year, but Schwartz basically says that Sandoval has kind of been m i a in sort of some of the discussions because of his band, and, and- we
1: really thought that it was kind of just him. Smoke like blowing smoke up Katie's ass at the reunion, to be honest. But turns out that it's true. He has a new band and he like went and was doing all this stuff with them and really was kind of leaving all of Schwartz and Sandy's preparation for opening to Schwartz. And
0: that's don't not leave, a good idea. Don't, don't leave, leave anything any, to Schwartz. Don't
1: leave anything to Schwartz. He should always be a number two guy. Like he's, he's not a head bitch in charge. That's yeah. just not him.
0: We also find out that when we get to Sir and Raquel starting a shift that uh, her and Peter have hooked up uh, with uh, Peter, the manager at Sir, who I think has gotten
1: passed around to every cast member, I think, at this point. So
0: so for those that don't watch Vanderpump Rules, this has always been the conundrum with the show, is that you have these people in these relationships working in this restaurant, and Lisa Vanderpump, the owner of this restaurant, kind of has to be like... Well, they all do well, and if they can put it, if they can put the drama past them, I'll. I'll they keep would get them.
1: fired at any other restaurant in existence, and they just stay on this show for. Soon.
0: And Peter, particularly, who's been like a manager there from the beginning, like and who's been like, at what in what other case can you
1: like have a manager who is sleeping with every waitress at your restaurant and you don't fire him? Yeah. Also, going and getting drunk and going on crazy. Uh, Vegas trips every every year and getting into trouble with Jacks Taylor yeah. <laughs> every chance he has.
0: Well, and I think Raquel talks about, like, for Raquel, this is definitely a hookup. And yeah. I think that's the big difference between her and what James is doing. Like, right. I, Raquel deserves to have a hookup here and there, but not commit herself to something right now. And well, and I of- think
1: that she's committed to having fun with Peter because I think that they are still kind of, an item, but not together.
0: Peter definitely thinks it could go further than it is, and I think yeah,
1: we're... which is different for Peter. Peter's
0: not typically a relationship kind of guy. No. Typically, he's the bed
1: to bed hopper.
0: No, yeah, he's he. <laughs> but I mean, who isn't on this show? In yeah, a way, you're right. Um, but then we go over to Tom. Tom, where uh, Katie and Ariana are uh, getting together, and they're getting together with Lala. Um, to sort of just chat and Lala and Ariana are apparently good now after their issues, uh, last season. Um, and then, uh, Lala. Well, first Ariana also makes it known in her confessional that she doesn't think this whole Katie and Tom thing of, we're just going to be friends and we're going to keep things civil and stuff like that is going to work. Like it's inevitably going to, which she's right. Like it's inevitably going to blow up. Um, but then Lala comes and, um, they sort of get to chatting. She says she's not going to go to Sir that night to see James DJ because she doesn't want to run into Schwartz. And we find out that she's really upset with Schwartz because Schwartz went to do Pickleball with Randall, uh, her now ex. Um, and that she she says that she basically got the group together at Sheena's rooftop and was basically like, look. I'm going through a f- custody battle with this asshole. Is this going to get really freaking messy going forward? Like, well, and it's
1: not even just that. It's also the fact that he, like, was running this um, casting couch sort of situation. Right. A la... Um, Harvey Weinstein. Weinstein. And it's like... Dude was disgusting. It shouldn't. Lala shouldn't have to even say anything. This guy is reprehensible. We should not be spending time with him. But the fact that Lala has placed this boundary and Schwartz decided to ignore it and is now complaining about getting the just uh reper
0: uh repercussions repercussions of his is.
1: actions. <laughs> like oh geez, the aphasia is like getting me today.
0: While yes, Schwartz is definitely wrong, and I'm definitely anti-Schwartz in this regard. Like Katie even is like, of course he did. Like, of course, Schwartz, she yeah. she compares it to like uh, a kid touching a hot stove. Like, like yeah. that's how Schwartz operates. And later Sheena, like because Schwartz tries to make the excuse later of like, I just wanted to play pickleball. That's all it was. And Sheena being like, there are plenty of people who play pickleball. There are Randall, other pickleball
1: courts. Randall does not own pickleball.
0: And if he owned pickleball, they would probably be suing him by now. Yeah. But yeah, the stuff with Randall is like, you know, the, you mentioned the LA Times article that comes out that basically, I remember when it came out reading it, it was like, like you mentioned the casting couch element of it. The fact that he was like getting uh, assistance to like basically trade drugs and stuff like that.
1: Oh, I forgot about the, the drug aspect of it.
0: Yeah, it's a lot. And like, I think it's interesting. There's this discussion that Sandoval brings up later about whether or not Lala really knew. I mean, and Sheena made a good point at last year's reunion
1: that, you know, like, or no, it wasn't Sheena. It was um, the other girl who's not there anymore. Dark hair.
0: Oh, Charlie. Charlie. Charlie's there, but she's. Oh, is she?
1: No. Oh, anyway. she um, she's, she's, she's so <laughs> She's She's forgettable. Sir. Yeah. Um, Charlie says something about, I only ever knew you as his mistress. Oh, that was. Oh, Ra- no, it was Sheena. No, that was Raquel. Oh, Raquel. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Um, I knew it was that side of the couch. Uh, Raquel says it, and then uh, Lisa Vanderpump goes over, uh, leads over, and says, "You know, you lose them the way that you get them."
0: Well, I think also there's there's two different arguments. I think Sandoval it might be right in terms of. I think there's an argument to be made. How did Lala not know that he that when she w- got with Randall, he was still married, and that there was all this like you know, stuff around him being a cheater and all this stuff.
1: But when it's young love, you're, like, drowning in the oxytocin. Or in,
0: uh, or the way Sandoval puts it, when you all you had to do is suck a dick and get a Range Rover.
1: I'd suck a dick for a Range Rover. Yes.
0: Can we talk about that? Like, he's very just, like, I mean, her relationship with him was, like, yeah, I'll suck your dick for a Range Rover. I've
1: done it for free. So, I mean, I'll definitely do it for a Range Rover.
0: <laughs> it's a Range Rover. You know how much those things cost? Like, even if you don't want a rage rover, sell that bitch and get what you want. I mean, like that's my thing. It's just like good on her. I agree, but I think there's an argument to be made that she definitely knew and about that element of his life and was kind of either intentionally ignoring things
1: or subconsciously ignoring it. I think I don't that, think
0: she knew about this stuff.
1: No. No, no, no. I don't think she did either, but I think the it's the same argument that we have had with um, Erica Jane, knowing yeah. about Tom's, um, all his stuff. And then there's the argument of did Vicky Gundelson know about Brooks faking cancer beforehand? And did Lala know about Randall's uh, cheating and all of that stuff? Um, I think the argument is the same, is that they probably had hints. They probably – Knew in the back of their mind, but they were ignoring it because they loved this man. Yeah, and that is, you know, that is what we often tell women in the society is that their value comes from the man that they're attached to. And I think the more power we can give women, um, and make sure that they are self sustained and taken care of on their own the more or the less likely jerks like this will get away with this shit because yeah. women will be able to walk and have the freedom to get out of a bad situation.
0: Yeah. I also, like, if, if it was an arrangement, good on them. Like, Again, I, stay out of people's
1: marriages. If they got an arrangement, <laughs> let them have their arrangement and keep your nose out of it.
0: Yeah. And then, so, also, while James is DJing at, um, at Sur, uh, her and Raquel, him and Raquel kind of, like, finally meet up when uh, he's going to the bathroom and kind of finally talk for the first time since everything happened at the reunion. And I, again, I think Raquel really sort of owned the room here and was very much like, you know, felt much more independent and much more sure of herself. Like, you know, also, James mentions that he's drinking again, which uh, he, Schwartz and I saw Here Schwartz on um, Watch What Happens Live say that even though he's drinking again, he's still doing moderately. Like he's not like getting as drunk as he once was, which, you know,
1: I mean, I, but once you're an alcoholic, well, I won't even say that because I don't even know. I don't know what he was doing with the alcohol. I don't know if he was self-medicating and that's right. why he was drinking or if it was from an actual addiction standpoint and i it it's a different thing Um, you know, there are people who, once they deal with the reason that they were drinking, they can go back to having a casual drink here and there. I don't think James has handled it. No. I don't think he's at a place where he can go back to healthily drinking and have that healthy relationship with alcohol. I don't think it's possible And Also,
0: we talk about his codependency, and he mentions even in the conversation with Raquel, like... If I want to quit next time, I'll do it without an ultimatum because Raquel essentially gave him an ultimatum at one point. Which is
1: fair. He should do it for himself, but also trying to put that back on her is really shitty of him. Right. But that's, I mean. But it's James. It's James. I also, do you think he followed her to the bathroom? I think he knew she was in the bathroom. I got that feeling that he was trying for a confrontation.
0: Yeah. I mean, James is not very. uh, uh, Veiled in his actions. Yeah. He's very transparent. Like he, th- this whole conversation, he can't really mask anything like in terms of his insecurity. He, and he says that Allie is like the love of his life with even Raquel's like, really? Like after only three months. And also you b- were saying that about me for, yeah. Like, I think, you know, he's, he's got a lot of issues. Um, and then, so we eventually then go to, uh, James is doing another DJing event at this like poolside hotel. um, that uh, Lala is going to go to this time because she promised him to, um, and so they. Uh, this is also the first time we see Allie sort of in a public setting with the group, mm-hmm. and they're kind of grilling her, but not real. I think they're doing a good job of, like, just sort of, like, getting to know her a bit more. <laughs> Lala at one point says that, because uh, I guess she has really thin lips, and that's, that James loves a thin-lipped bitch, is what Lala says. Which I don't even think her lips are that thin. They're not. They're not um, Lala's. I which... mean, they're not
1: season season seven Katya lips. I mean, they're no. they're...
0: they're. They're, you know let's lay off the lips. (laughs) But uh, eventually uh, Raquel pulls uh, Ali aside to talk to her. And I think this was a really good conversation in terms of like, you could tell they both respect each other, that it's not like some like catty, like, you know, you're with my man now, et cetera, right. Whatever. And although
1: I th- the I felt like the editor or the producers were trying to edit it in that way a little bit.
0: They're always gonna tease like
1: it's like gonna be something, and maybe it's something later in the season. Who knows?
0: But I think I liked that Raquel was also like you know, looking out for her in a way of being <laughs> like, make sure you stand up for yourself in certain moments because there was definitely times where I kept quiet. For fear of uh, upsetting him, mm-hmm. and that you should, and she's she basically says like I do, I do that already now like, and Raquel's like good like don't starting it tended. out
1: on that foot is good instead of trying to claw back
0: yeah you have to set your boundary and your yeah. expectations on a relationship like that really early.
1: And then the beautiful moment is ruined by this asshole in who, a towel.
0: Who was this? I mean, it was clearly just some random guy at the hotel. Cause they he, just
1: blurred his face out.
0: Cause he wasn't like, and he's just like, you're in my seat. Like, okay. I kind of um, like how Raquel clapped back to him though, of like, like you're too short for me. Like, Raquel is coming into her own and I really, I really respect that. But like that guy was an asshole.
1: Like I think like he didn't the even... couch is in front of your hotel room. That does not mean that your the couch is yours.
0: It's like, he didn't even know they were filming a TV show. Like it felt like, uh, like, oh no, it felt like he wanted to be on camera or maybe that there, you never know what. With these kind of people in this environment. I mean, it's Hollywood. What are you going to do? Yeah. And then, so Lala then, uh, gets, uh, to talk to Schwartz one-on-one to sort of talk about their issue. And Swartz has been adamant this whole episode that like, I don't owe Lala anything, you know, I don't have to apologize to her, et cetera. They get into the sort of discussion. Um, Schwartz feels like when Lala texted him being upset about it, that she like took a shot at their, at her, him and Katie's marriage, And like, you know,
1: I mean, but just like we all knew that Schwartz was going to do the the thing that he was asked not to do. We all knew that Lala was going to come on hot like it's Lala. Like you can't blame her for being uh, passionate about anything like that's just how she is. But
0: also Schwartz. I don't know. Like Schwartz taking such offense to being called weak. I found really strange. Like
1: I, I understand it. It's been a constant thing. Like it's it's a sore for him. It's something that has been constantly um thrown in his face the entire run of this show.
0: Sure, but it's not like he doesn't live up to it. Necessarily. Sure,
1: but just because a criticism is accurate doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt when you get it.
0: That's fair. Like I and I, like they seem to not have like they don't seem to really settle things necessarily between the two of them. But I think Lala's in the right sense of just like, dude, like w- you literally did not have to do this. And also from a moral standpoint too, of just what came out from the LA times article, it's just yeah. like, why would you want to like hang out with this person? Randall's always been like, th- it's only always been that they've hang- hung out with Randall because he has money. Like it's not been like, cause of his charming personality. Yeah. I mean it, honestly,
1: is a weird um, critique that Sandoval threw at Lala. Like, oh, she's just sucking dick for a Range Rover. What did you do? Why did you become friends with Randall? I mean,
0: Ariana and I Katie. mean, sure, you
1: didn't get a Range Rover, but you also
0: didn't suck his dick as far as we know.
1: So, I mean. <laughs>
0: as far as we know. <laughs> I'm Well, we, we had a discussion about how Sandoval could. Um, Sid, I lo- people often think that I would think that
1: looking at them on the surface of the two toms, you would think that Schwartz is the more likely to to uh, dabble in the rainbow pond. Yeah, but um, honestly, I, I feel like it's Sandoval, and I honestly think he probably already has. I was because be he's so like he's so free with himself, and he doesn't really give a shit. And I think that him and Ariana really are both kind of. And Ariana's has talked about how she's
0: bisexual. So right. I mean, like... I know
1: I think she doesn't like labels, but like she has had relationships with women and men. Um, and so it's not it wouldn't be strange to me for Sandoval to also be that way. And for them to end up together, I think is it makes sense.
0: Yeah. But there's also, I mean, we see from the trailer for what we're seeing in the rest of the season that there's also discussion of whether or not they sort of have an open relationship, which will be interesting to see. But this was a really good episode. Good first episode of Vanderpump Rules. It did really well in the ratings I saw, which mm-hmm. I'm really glad to see. They got like, I think, like 200,000 more viewers than last season's premiere. Right. So, for a total of 0.85 million. So which is how many uh, real
1: gays have we <laughs> Uh, I think that's like four and a half times the amount of people that real gays of WeHo got. Yeah,
0: yeah. But no, I'm and glad... And that's
1: on their premiere episode. We have no idea how far their ratings have dropped in the last oh, couple oh, weeks. Oh, they
0: haven't grown their audience? I'm shocked. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm glad Vanderpump Rules is back. It's really it, This was a really good episode, and, and I, I think this is going to be a really, really good season.
1: So... Who do you think is going to be your top and bottom of the week? We got a lot of people to choose from. Yeah,
0: I mean, we got a good smorgasbord of, of, of individuals here, and
1: that's just the Rony or the uh, Jersey Jersey Cast.
0: cast. Yeah. you know what? So my bottom for this week is going to go to Robin again. She was mine last week. I mean, even worse this week from that Watch What Happens Live performance. Like, um,
1: for uh, clarity, Robin Dixon, not Robin Fierce.
0: <laughs> yes. So, so sad. Robin fears. <laughs> you're, no, you're fine. I mean, she went
1: home this week.
0: <laughs> we so. didn't see enough of you for you to lie about anything in your life. That's fine. No, Robin Dixon of Potomac, like just really, really terrible on her part of everything from this last week. Um, but to the point of Jersey, my top for this week, I'm shocked to say this. I never thought I would say something like this. I'm going to give it to Teresa. Yeah. I think Teresa, like, I was so ready to be done with Teresa going into this season. And now I'm like, they gave me enough to like, just like open the door and sort of like be like, okay, you can still, you can like this person again, you can be invested and good on them. So yeah, Teresa will definitely be my top this week. Well, uh, how about you? So
1: I think my bottom of the week, um, I know we didn't actually see him on any screens, Um, but my bottom for the week is Todrick Hall for getting it wrong (laughs) so bad that we weren't going to get our 90-minute episodes of Drag Race back and uh, that being proven uh, drastically wrong uh, as of today. So um, Talk
0: about bottom.
1: Talk about bottom, (laughs) big old bottom. Um, My top for the week is going to be um, a tie between – Katie and um, Raquel just Mm. because I I love both of their maturing that has happened. Well, I won't even say maturing, just development that has happened since we've seen them last um, and since both of them have ended long-term relationships. um, Katie getting a divorce um, through all of this. I really am excited for what's in store for them this season um and really love the glimpses we've already gotten um thus far
0: yeah i love it
1: hey thanks for joining us this week on a gay and his envy tune in next week for more of our recaps and hot takes be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you're listening and check us out on our social media at a gay and his envy on all the platforms a special shout out to shane ivers who wrote pulsar the song we're using for our theme for my husband amon i'm merlin
0: and we're out